This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday, the 24th of March. What a miserable day. What a miserable, blooming day. I woke up this morning, looked out, I thought, oh, it's raining. And I thought, that's okay. Rain's all right. I'm not too bothered about rain. And uh, got in. Not as cold as it was yesterday, and yesterday was a bit cold. Warmed up in the afternoon. I bought new pants. Thought you'd be excited. I tweeted it, and I suddenly realised I shouldn't have tweeted it. I thought, hashtag embarrassed or something, or yes, too embarrassing to talk about. Um, I got it marked wrong, says the mum of six jailed for letting her children go to school when they felt like it. Well, of course, most kids don't feel like it, do they? More sackings in the run-up to the general election. I'll tell you, there's gonna, there will be nobody left. Come polling day, it'll just be a couple of people sitting there in an empty room and somebody going, um, who are we voting for? They go, there isn't anybody. The Buckingham Palace gift shop, most of the stuff is made in China. Well, I mean, that's not very good, is it? But I did watch a fantastic documentary on the, uh, on the royal children the other day. And it was really good. And I wish I'd seen it from the very beginning because it was looking at the relationship with the press and uh, Prince Charles. After, after Prince Charles um, uh, decided to go public with Camilla Parker Bowles, it was done at the Ritz. And there were so many photographers out there. I mean, it was like its own firework display because he turned up first. Then she turned up and it was all done very, very quickly. And then Prince William turned up. And the picture they were all looking for is when they all came out of the Ritz. They'd all been to a private do and they were together. And that was the picture they were looking for. That was the first moment that Prince Charles went public with the woman who'd been his mistress for years throughout his entire marriage. She'd been the mistress. And, uh, and then it became public and, you know, and that was sort of the Prince William approval. And then it was the relationship between the press and Prince William. So everybody was interviewed, a very young Piers Morgan. And uh, oh, sickening, sickeningly good looking, uh, Mr... Uh, Mr. Morgan. Do you know, I bet there's a story there. I don't know, I've just got... What? Do you think... He's seriously good-looking. He is. Does he? Oh, I thought people thought he was good-looking. He certainly was very popular in the office, put it that way. That's as much as we can say on the programme this morning. And, um, and so it was all very interesting, looking at the relationship. You know, can you leave the boys alone? Can you do this? Can you do that? And uh, I found it thoroughly entertaining. Thoroughly entertaining. So I'm, I'm going to try and catch up that again. Uh, the Paddington film has arrived... So for those people who didn't see it at the cinema, you've now got your own copy on DVD. And I've got Pride as well to watch. So I've got Pride and Paddington. There's no end to the excitement today. And it's only Tuesday. Um, and then I did think about it the other day. I did think why are 4,000 people queuing to see an old coffin on what looked like a trestle table of some long since dead child murderer? Uh, irrespective of the fact he was a king. He was killed at the Battle of Bosworth. Did he have scoliosis? Yes, they said he had scoliosis, which was the curvature of the spine. And so they dug him up from the car park where his little old bones had been resting for some years. What if it was a car park when they put him in it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. And, uh, and then somebody pointed out in the paper today, he's a child murderer. This is the man responsible for the princes in the Tower, the Tower of London. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He'd had many of his own siblings killed. You know, this man was a murdering tyrant, and we go, oh, yeah, give him the clap he so richly deserves. Um, the 38 pythons stolen from a flat, to be honest with you, I think that's the riskiest thing you've ever, you'd ever do in your entire life, isn't it? They go, we've got a flat, somebody must have known about it, because they don't exactly make any noise snakes, apart from a slight rustling before they grab you around the throat. And uh, that's about the only indication you ever got that somebody's got them in there. Uh, Sarah Harding, I had to laugh the other day. I went... <laughs> I went past the newsagent in Waterloo Station and I thought, I'll cheer myself up on the train 
I'll buy a copy of OK magazine, but I don't, I don't want the, the whole magazine with all the other ones. I don't want that. I just want the magazine because it's about a pound or pound 20 or whatever it is. And it had on the front cover, you know, various, you know, low rent people. And then in the bottom right hand corner, it had the, the headline Sarah Harding at home. And I thought, where else? She's not, not exactly chock a block with work, poor soul, is she? So, Sarah Harding at home. What's she droning on about this time? Oh, this time she's found another man and he's not in show business. Good Lord, unbelievable. This woman must be 150 by now. And she's still trotting out the same old lines. Oh, it's awful. It's dreadful. I've had a dreadful year and this and that. And I'm thinking, you need to grow up, dear. You really need to grow up fast. Why is it some people can grow up and some people can't grow up? You know, it just seems physically impossible, doesn't it? And then Louis Tomlinson's family... Have uh, have sort of surrounded him to give him the support he needs after the breakup of his girlfriend. He split up two weeks ago. He's with another one already. The family must be stupid. This is his sister again. Oh, we've got to look after him because he's very fragile. No, he's found another bird already. He doesn't bother about things like that. Why would Louis Tomlinson be remotely bothered about splitting up with his girlfriend? Because she's 22 and he's 22. Whatever it is, they're very young. They're very immature. And he finished with her and they go, oh, we've got to give him support. Good God. I mean, what are we surrounded by? A nation of nanny smotherers at the moment. Ridiculous. Um, Britain to reinforce the Falklands with more troops, which is good news. But the best news of the day is a bowl of cereal every morning adds years to your life. They don't say which cereal. So in other words, if you think you're having Jordans or uh, Sugar Puffs or Frosties, I don't think that'll be adding years to your life at all. I think that'll be slowly killing you because it's full of sugar. So obviously you've got to have a healthy cereal and then it becomes dull, doesn't it? But I know loads of people, especially in this building, loads of people. And they'll have things like porridge. Porridge, first thing in the morning. I know, I know certain people. I was, I was in the kitchen with one the other day, Simon, and he was, he was making porridge, but he's only about two foot tall. Perhaps he thinks he's going to grow bigger with it. I don't know. But it's, it's porridge. People think porridge is very good for you, so they have porridge. And then have a squirt of honey in it, or they put, you know, raisins in or something like that. And I have to be honest, I'm quite partial to a bowl of porridge. Just don't want to eat it every day. I feel like it's pouring ready mix into your mouth. And that's about uh, as, far as, it, uh, as far as it goes. Uh, turned off the sofa celebs. There's a very good piece in, in one of the papers today. This is about, uh, is it Gogglebox? Where they all sit there. And um, Jamie East uh, on T. I I don't know who he is. He looks slightly dodgy. But um, he said the truth, uh, hard, hard truth time. He says the majority of the Gogglebox characters need to be recast. The show worked because it was filled with normal folk. Now, apart from a flu, a few, a flu, a few, including excellent newcomers Giles and Mary, it's full of self-aware people with their eye on a prize, mugging to the camera and squeezing in telly, watching in between going to premieres. Yeah, it's absolutely right. They, they, they've now got to be too big to be on the programme. They should get them and recast. He's absolutely right. They should recast the whole thing. And uh, he says, um, and the fellow who looks like Steve Strange in a cable-knit cardi genuinely terrifies me. Seriously, take Friday, for instance. 9pm Gogglebox. Steph and Dom doing that drunk shtick, which won't be funny when it turns into cirrhosis of the liver. 10pm Chatty Man. Steph and Dom on a chat show doing that drunk shtick, promoting their actual chat show. Gogglebox just ate itself. Yeah, you've got to get rid of them. Once They, st- they were offered to me. They were offered to me. And uh, to be honest with you, I've never seen the programme. I've watched little tiny bits of it, but I don't know enough about it to warrant talking to two people who now mug up for the cameras. And if anybody did, the two black women on there, whose names I do not know because I don't know anybody's names on the program, they're mugging for the camera. These people can't be that thick, can they? 
Answer is, they probably are, but they mug for the camera. So they need to recast. In the same way that you need to recast Towie, you need to recast Made in Chelsea, find some other posh birds who do a bit of a trick, you know, because that's what they're looking for on the programme. It's no good having the, you know, because uh, I, I was talking to Binky the other day, and Binky, like, you know, she's like, so-and-so, I really like Binky. This is, uh, this is, this is how they speak on the programme. It is hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. It's a lot of people with a lot of marbles in their mouth who can't actually speak properly, but all they do is just go to bed with each other. It's a bit, it's a bit trampish down in Chelsea, I'm afraid. You know, and uh, here's Spencer, who's laid everybody on the programme, except the cat who lives at number 33 and the dog who's at 12. But uh, apart from that, Spencer's been with everybody. Uh, Jamie's just desperately hoping he's going to grow taller. And uh, Louise is hoping that her reputation as the good time had by all doesn't exactly get out of anywhere further than Chelsea. So what you need to do is you need to recast. To keep it fresh, you've got to recast programmes. You've got to, especially on something like television, which is very unforgiving, you have to make sure that when you go down to Brentwood to film some of the old bags down there, wandering up and down the street on their high heels, wearing the most atrocious outfits, and in the middle of the daytime with full makeup on. It's like going to Northweald Market, ladies and gentlemen, which is down in Essex, on a Saturday to see, you know, everybody walks around Northfield Market looking like as if they're really in Return of the Zombies. It's quite good. I quite enjoy it. But then there are the girls down there who trowel their makeup on and you think, why would you really want to look like a hooker? Why would you really want to look that low rent? Why would you want to look that? And you feel like saying to them, should you, should you have done your makeup maybe in the daylight so you can see what you look like? Really ghastly. Really ghastly. It's a shame, really, because there is a way of doing it and there's a way of not doing it. And what they're doing is not doing it at the moment. I didn't see the documentary on KFC. I just know that somebody said it's um, it's bad for you. It's bad for you because it's it's all right to have the chicken. It's the coating. The coating's the bad thing. So, in other words, if you're if you're trying to have a healthy meal and you like roast chicken, take the skin off. But you and I know that the best bit is the skin, especially if it's crispy. We like crispy, crispy skin on chicken, and we like it on duck, but that's the worst bit. That's the bit that provides the extra, whoops, and it's not so good for you. Uh, 84850, John says, there's good evidence the two princes were still alive when Richard fell at Bosworth. Well, I mean, how do they know, for God's sake? Nobody knows that. Nobody knows. And uh, Kevin the Milkman says, no wonder thousands queued in Leicester to view the bones marginally more interesting than watching the lights in the high street change. And you'll never guess which one of your most loyal listeners has got herself a tattoo. Is it, um, I believe, it's Noreen. She's had a tattoo done. I believe. I believe. I'm hoping it's a joke. I'm hoping it's a joke. (laughs) Uh, Somebody says, uh, will all the palaces and castles owned by the council... Uh, and will the tenants be subjected to the bedroom tax? I don't really quite understand the bedroom tax. It doesn't affect me in the slightest. I've only got 23 bedrooms, so, I mean, you know, the fact I'm only living in one of them... <coughs> I'm not on benefits. Well, I'm not under my real name, no. Uh, but, um, that'd be funny, wouldn't it, if you actually found a radio presenter who was on benefits, but under another name? Because it would be entirely possible to do that, wouldn't it? Because there's lots of radio presenters who change their name. It's like people lying about their age. They make me sick. They really do. Anyway, you're listening to a... A 42-year-old presenter this morning who is as honest as the day is short. Quarter past four. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. Nick Ferrari this morning. So, as David Cameron says, he'll stand down after two terms and names his possible successors. One of the front runners, Boris Johnson is on the programme this morning. Put your questions to the possible future leader of the Conservative Party after nine. Although many Muslims say it helps them settle problems, Theresa May has ordered the review of Sharia court. Should we allow Sharia law in Britain? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. I mean, how many different... Otherwise, we'll all set up our own court, shall we? Never anything like it. Uh, John McKenty, Executive Diary Editor at the Daily Mail, is reviewing the papers. That's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. They're going to be looking uh, today, of course, at uh, just how evil... Just how evil was the uh, the burial of the king. Very, very brutal. He, he was the one who came to power, Richard III, by executing the kindred of his brother's queen, of course. Uh, no, no judge and jury would obviously commit... But the point is, the bishop declared uh, the boys illegitimate. He then put them in the tower, and that's the last I ever saw of them. Although they did find some bones some years ago, didn't they? I seem to remember there was something about the tower, and bones were found. I mean, there was a, a plot to try and free them, and they weren't ever seen again. That was it. They were only young at the time. Richard never mentioned it. Uh, there's no evidence of him ever making any statement about the boys. Even in those days, child murder was considered appalling. He did execute Lord Hastings because he was loyal to the late brother and would be loyal to Edward V. Um, he was a warlord of sorts, but he was much loved in the uh, in the north. I mean, the state funeral and burial is quite clearly the most shameful thing we've ever seen in this country. A child murderer, and it's purely for tourist pounds. That's all it is. And the people of Leicester, I mean, that's, that's what, if you live in Leicester, I mean, you start with a handicap. What else have you got? And so they go, we found him in your car park. Oh, lovely, he's one of our own. Yep, child murderer, one of your own. And uh, eventually, I think they're dragging it out on Channel 4, to be honest with you. I would rather watch an ant crawl up the side of a wall than be anything remotely interested in Richard III. Uh, other stories in the papers for today. Apart from the, uh, the sofa celebs, which they need to get rid of on, uh, on Gogglebox, because they're just not funny anymore. They've learned how to play. Exactly the same as I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Fear or Celebrity Big Brother. In the early days, they weren't aware of what it was because it was a new concept. Now they know how to play it. They know how to be revolting. They know how to be controversial. They know how to do it because they're manipulative little so-and-sos. And that's why when you watch the people on Gogglebox, they're frauds. They're frauds. They've learned how to play the system. Oh, look, if, if, if I do this, I can't believe this is going on. And you watch it and, and you think you're acting badly, very, very badly. And so uh, they're all on there. The Buckingham Palace gift shop. All these stories are in the sun this morning. We haven't even gone into anything else. So, so, you, so you've got Jamie East, who I'm not aware of, talking about the sofa people. Uh, you've also got uh, James Corden is an American hit. So that's fairly good. And, um, and also they've got the, uh, the snake story as well. You know, somebody who's nicked 40 snakes. God knows why. why do, where would you put 40 snakes? I don't know. Perhaps somebody else, perhaps they're eating them. I don't know, I can't, I hate snakes. I absolutely hate them. Uh, also, uh, millions of families can transform their tellies into smart TVs with a new £35 stick from Amazon. Fire TV stick lets TVs connect to the internet so you can watch catch-up. It's slightly bigger than a packet of chewing gum and it accesses apps like Facebook on the big screen. Good Lord. Controlled by a slim remote or by using an app available for most smart smartphones. You can order it from today for delivery for next month. So, seems good, doesn't it? It's called Stick from Amazon. You'd probably better find it on that one. Uh, there's also, I mean, it, I mean, do you know, honestly, I sometimes despair at some of the stories I read in the paper. This isn't really a light story. This is a bit of a, oh, a bad story. And it's a bridesmaid called Rebecca Darnell. She hanged herself. Okay. Uh, just hours after her sister's wedding. Um, she's a youth counsellor. She'd been the life and soul of the party. She was still wearing her bridesmaid's dress when she hanged herself. And she'd argued, though, with her partner in a taxi on the way home. 
And that was it. She was double the drink-driving limit. Whether that contributed to her death, I have no idea. But you do worry about people who have these these arguments with partners, and then they just... I mean, you're not sure whether they really want to take their own life or whether they're just doing it as a cry for help, but because they're, they're too drunk, they don't know how to, how to stop it. And that's what worries me, that, you know, somebody like that... I mean, she was only she was only 30, for goodness sake. It's absolutely nothing. And there was no evidence of clinical depression or anything like that at all. It was just the fact she'd had an argument, and obviously she thought, I'll teach you a lesson, but maybe it went too far. Perhaps they always hope these people, they're going to be found. I always think that's what it is. People who try and do this, it's a bit of a cry for help. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson on his bike the other day. Uh, He will definitely be getting his job back. They're just dragging it out for as long as they possibly can. But uh, now somebody called Ben Cooper has waded in. I've got no idea who he is. He turns out to be something to do with radio stations. What's got to do with him? I've got no idea. He says that... um, that uh, Jeremy Clarkson must be dealt with in a very serious way. I mean, (laughs) Greg Dyke has branded Clarkson a disaster waiting to happen. He's so loaded, why would he worry about it? But um, he said the corporation can't win, whether it axes him or not. Well, they've lost a fortune. Lost an absolute fortune. But I love the idea that Ben Cooper says, claims the star hit the uh, producer must be dealt with in a very serious way. Oh, blimey, you sound like a bundle of laughs to work with, don't you? It's got to do with you, mate. He's not on your radio station. Dear me, honestly. Um, Also, Buckingham Palace, flogging a range of royal-themed gifts. I don't know if you've ever bought a royal-themed gift. They've got a a cuddly teddy. Everybody sells teddies. Teddies are everywhere. And uh, corgi slippers, uh, made made in China. The teddy, made in China. Uh, The uh, the T-shirt with the guardsman on the front, made in Turkey. And you think to yourself, can we not make stuff in this country? Why on earth? Is Buckingham Palace. I mean, they've actually got a children's eraser made in Taiwan, a face cloth, um, EU, tea towels, EU, palace bath towel, EU, palace baseball cap, China, knitted rabbit, China, corgi with medallion, China, guardsman's hat, China. This is the, the, the British royal family. I'll tell you why they're doing it. All made out of China. I know. I mean, how you get that hat to stay on your head, I've got no idea. Must be a nightmare if it blows off. It's going to smash to pieces, isn't it? It's just not going to work. But isn't it funny, though, that, you know, we're sort of so proud to be waving the flag for the country, and I'm the biggest flag waver, you'll find. I'm hugely patriotic. And this stuff, I mean, admittedly, most of it is crap, isn't it? It's just, it's tourist tat. It's tourist tat. You know, the the, the decent, they do sell, sell expensive stuff in there. Hampton Court Palace has got all sorts of things. Most of it, I should imagine, would probably be made, well, I'm hoping, in this country. I'm hoping, but you never can tell nowadays, can you? Are we, are we fiercely proud of buying British? Yeah, too right. I only want to buy British. I don't want to buy... You know, if I'd want it... The only reason they're selling it is because presumably it's cheap as chips. I remember, and I'll, I'll tell you a story. It's a true story uh, of a magic shop in this country. And one of the big manufacturers went to this, this magic shop and they said, we want to put a free gift... In the in the cornflakes, oh, all the flakes, and um, and so the the person said, "Yeah, how many would we be requiring?" Oh, millions. They're looking for millions, and so they said, "Well, you know, can you price up how much to put a little magic trick inside each packet of cornflakes?" And so they said, "Well, what what's your budget?" And they said, "It's about a cent." They went, "What?" They said, "A cent, one cent to put a magic trick inside each packet of cornflakes." And they went, we can't do it for that, we absolutely can't. So they went to China, where they managed to get 
these things made in a Chinese magic company for one cent each. And they went inside the cornflakes. Because that, because you're going to go somewhere if it's really, really cheap. And if it's the difference between having something in there and not having something in there. I mean, we used to buy our cereal years ago based on what the free gift was. We'd go along the shelves. I'd go, Mum, this one's got, you know, free pony with it or whatever it was. And uh, she'd go, well, you know, you don't like that cereal. Yeah, but it's got free gift. It was the free gift we were after. We would we would spend ages empty, emptying the cereal into bowls to find the free gift. And when you think about it, it was just pants, wasn't it, really? It was never something very exciting. Even with comics, they gave away free gifts. And I used to laugh at, at that. I used to laugh at the free gifts in the comic. My favourite was the... Um, it was a butterfly that you wound up. It came with an elastic badge. And you wound it up and you put it between the pages of the magazine. When they opened the, uh, the pages, it went... <laughs> And shot out the paper and frightened people. I like stuff like that. That uh, that that amused me. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Uh, another one here as we weave everything in on the program. Uh, listening to you telling the truth, says Manuel and Rain about the social wannabes and misfits. We've got to say you are an asset to LBC. I think they think so too. You're worth every penny. That's about what it comes down to, I'm afraid. <laughs> every penny. <laughs> Although I think this week's payday. I think we get paid this week. I don't, is it Friday we get paid? Friday. Whoopee! I don't know why we get so excited about payday. I just get excited about payday any time. Because I always think it, it's quite nice to, A, have a job that you love, and B, uh, that, that pays you some money. And there's lots of friends of mine in the business who listen to this programme, and they probably also can't believe that we actually get paid for doing something. I sometimes think if this programme had music in it... A, it wouldn't be on the station, and B, it would be a little bit short. Imagine trying to fit things in, in between the records. There is a good story my friend Ian will like today. This, I'm sure, will, will, will appeal to him. And it's a guy called Christopher Baker. Christopher Baker goes out to, uh, to a restaurant in, uh, in Sunderland. He's obviously a bit of a mummy's boy. He's obviously a bit of a, bit of a buffoon, because what he does, he's, he's been out and he, he buys this, uh, this meal. It was a buffet dinner and it was £7.25. OK, I mean, that's about as cheap as it gets in Sunderland. £7.25. And so he, he goes into this uh, restaurant and, uh, and then he says, it's a rat, it's a rat. Under his table, there's a rat. So the owner goes, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And they give him the food for free. They give him the food for free. And, um, and off goes uh, Christopher Baker. Otherwise known as that cheap person. Pathetic little waste of space he is, honestly. If ever there was the girl's blouse in the paper today, this is him. And so he, he gets the free meal and he goes out and the restaurant owner called in a pest control expert and they, they captured the rat. Didn't take too long because it was a domestic rat. He said to him, it's a domestic rat. He said, it looks like it's just had a haircut. So they checked the CCTV and there he was, old tight, tight-fisted so-and-so, Christopher Baker letting the rat out of his pocket at the Borneo Buffet. He admitted fraud. All he was given was a 12-month community order in order to pay £7.25 compensation. I'd have had him hanging from a gibbet, ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid. He'd been drinking and bought the rat for his daughter on the way home. Magistrates told him he could have ruined the business in a second. Mr Smith, who owns the business, branded Baker the scum of the earth. Yes, it's absolutely. Anyway, he's been banned from ever going to the restaurant. So just be warned, if you live around there, Christopher Baker is his name. You'll spot him immediately. You can see what he looks like. He's a bit of a buffoon. 
And uh, he'll do anything for a free meal, a £7.25 meal. To, to find yourself exposed in the papers for £7.25. You must be the dumbest person we've ever found. Actually, it's not true, but he's certainly the one for this morning. 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 24th of March. I am Steve Allen. No more apologies are necessary. Uh, Mark, who's still struggling through the knowledge, I should imagine, at the moment, sent me a lovely picture of the, uh, of the Eddie Stobart lorry, named after Lee Rigby. And he said, I like this. Yeah, I like that as well. I thought that was, uh, that was really good. I thought that was very special. Um, another story this time from the, from the Sun. We haven't actually moved away from the Sun at all this morning. Uh, because here is one from a guy called Kieran McKeefery. McKeefery, yeah. Uh, he checked his bank balance online, as you do. I don't. I have no idea how much money is in my account at any one time. I have a bank manager who looks after that side of it, and she'll say to me, I've transferred this, I've done that. I've... And so there's always enough money in there for me to spend. You know, provided I don't want to go silly and buy a million-pound car like Gordon Ramsay has just done. But this guy's 21, and he discovered he had £1.25 million in the account, which, not bad for a 21-year-old, but he knew it wasn't his, so he was honest. Unlike some dishonest people we've mentioned on the programme over the years. And so he said it's been paid into the account by an investment firm. And they went, uh, right, unfortunately, uh, we can't correct the mistake. They said at the bank, this is NatWest, that it was up to the company's bank to recall it. Which seems fair enough. To be honest with you, at that moment, most of you would have had it transferred to the Cayman Islands. So, honest Kieran waited 10 days before the firm realised their mistake and retrieved the cash. But in the meantime, it had earned £204 interest, which he's not been asked to return. So he made £204 for doing nothing. To be honest with you, I'd have kept £250,000 and said, well, you can whistle for the rest of it. He said, I didn't know what to do. He said, uh, I was buying a new car the next day and I could have paid for it in cash and quite a few more as well. £1.25 million. I got paid by, by um, LBC once, twice in a month. I got paid two lots of money. And I was, I was really honest. I didn't say anything. And uh, they then found him and went, oh, we've actually paid you twice. I said, oh, that's OK. They said, well, listen, I'll tell you what to do. Uh, just invoice next month. We won't, won't pay you. I said, OK, fine. It saved having to faff around with going backwards and forwards. So we, we didn't bother doing it, which was good, wasn't it? I quite like that idea. Imagine having, you know, being paid twice. I mean, some people would have been very dishonest. Unfortunately, I am too honest. Way, way too honest for things like that. I couldn't, I couldn't do it and live with myself because I know what it must be like. I know what it must be like if, if you don't have things like that. Neil says, I'm tucking into my porridge with plums and honey. Honey? Oh, tell me not eating honey, please. He said, I had double glucose fasting blood test two hours at the hospital last week. They think I may not be diabetic anymore. Oh, right. Oh, you stopped being diabetic. He said, because of weight loss and change of diet and lifestyle, I may not have it. There you go. He says, enjoy your day. Where's March gone? A quarter of the year almost gone already roll on Christmas. Do you know, strange you should say that. I thought this morning as I was watching the television having a shave, I remember thinking, it's not that far away to Christmas, is it, really? And people, people are probably thinking, shut up about Christmas. And I'm going, yeah, but it's March. April, May, June, and then you've got July, August, September, and then you're into the run-up to Christmas. Costco have all their Christmas stuff out in September. October, November, December. And it, it, you know, before you know where you are, we'll all be singing Deck the Halls With and doing jolly old St Nicholas. Because we like Christmas. We like the Christmas spirit. I like the Christmas. I love anything. My dad's 90 tomorrow. He eats cornflakes with copious amounts of sugar on every day. Wow. Not only that, sugar in tea, fatty food, lots of salt, smokes a little too. Yeah, but you do get people like that. 
You do get people who smoke like 100 cigarettes a day and they seem to live to a ripe old age. Unfortunately for the majority, they, uh, they, do, go, they do go early. They do go early. So you've got to be, uh, you've got to be very careful with things like that. But uh, some, somebody said, oh, I always have, um, always have honey on my porridge, you know, because I've been told that honey's good for you. You go, no, it's really not. It's just the high concentrate of sugar in that. You know, it's good. Uh, another one here. Uh, well, at least Richard III had the decency to die in battle, says Mark, leading to the front, leading from the front, which is more than could be said for our leaders, who now send a plethora of doomed youth to the slaughter. Yes. I mean, at the moment, there's, there's, I mean, there's how many have we lost from the parties? Three? Is it three people been suspended or kicked out? A little bit worrying, isn't it? Uh, Blueberry is very, uh, very good in your porridge, says Mary. And then toast and coffee. And um, another one here says... Uh, have you tried ostrich steak? No, it doesn't really appeal to me. It's like scallops. It doesn't really appeal to me at all. Really doesn't appeal to me. Uh, 84850, oh, Kevin. Uh, sorry, I was reading Kevin's thing and it came. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Music on LBC, Steve. You could be DJ Stevie Baby spinning the latest wax cylinder. I could just be Steve-O. Steve-O. Because everybody around here, there's all sorts of different names for some of the DJs on the radio stations. I could just be Steve-O, Steve-O playing the hits. He says, don't, don't worry, says Kevin. The whip round we're organising to pay for your tattoo has not quite reached its target yet. Maybe a whole sleeve tattoo made up of all the LBC logos since you started as a child broadcaster way back in 19... <laughs> well, back in the days. I, was, I, I wonder if I could, I, I could probably get the LBC logo tattooed on my arm, couldn't I? Now, that would be quite funny. Or not, as the case may be. I'm not sure whether or not that's actually some strange, weird fantasy. Perhaps I shouldn't even be thinking about things like that. <laughs> Other stuff. Oh, I quite like the idea that they think they have found in Argentina's jungle a Nazi hideout. How they know it's a Nazi hideout, I've got no idea. But they've investigated and excavated ancient ruins at uh, a remote spot. They found German coins. Uh, from the late 1930s and Nazi symbols on the walls. Well, that could be written by anybody, couldn't it? Anybody can go there and just do a swastika. But uh, the bolt hole close to the border with Paraguay also had fragments of porcelain stamped made in Germany. Well, that really proves it, doesn't it? Not to me, it doesn't. I like the idea that they found a secret lair. A secret lair. Oh, Cheryl Cole or Cheryl Foulmouth Cole is in the papers day. All in the sun. The Sun, you could just fill a whole programme. I like the idea. They've actually got a picture of a Morrison's breakfast. And they've said, with prices for just 75p for buttered toast. I don't know how many rounds that is. And um, £4.50 for our big breakfast. And for that, you appear to get... Now, I can't tell if that's fried bread. If it's fried bread, I'm going. Fried bread, you seem to get three rashers of bacon, a sausage, some beans and mushrooms, two hash browns and an egg. Looks delicious. But we don't have any big Morrisons near us. We only have little Morrisons and they don't do things like that. But that does look quite good for £4.50. Because to be brutally honest with you, if you were thinking of having a breakfast this morning, there's no point in cooking it and going and buying it. It costs you more to go and buy the blooming thing. You need to actually go out and, and get somebody else to uh, to do it for you. Makes it easier, doesn't it? But I, I could eat a cooked breakfast right now. <laughs> At this precise moment. If somebody said we can do a cooked breakfast for you... You know, and you go, I thought, oh, just bring it in. Just bring it in, please. I'm up for it. Happy Christmas, Steve, says Ian. Yeah, I'm, I, do you know, it's going to arrive with us a little bit faster than, than we ever imagine. Oh, here's Tina O'Brien. At one time, the papers were full of Tina O'Brien 
um, because she was in the papers and because she was sort of playing sort of a sexy sort of character. And um, and now she's she she went out with Ryan and she's got a child and she says, my ex Ryan is happy. I've come back to the street. Nobody else is. She said, he's the father of my daughter and we still get on well as if it was some big surprise. I think Tina O'Brien played Sarah Louise. So and she has a daughter as well in it and uh it's they, they say now uh, tina is juggling work and parenthood as if it was some big deal you know like the rest of the women in the country dear what a patronizing old bag you must be you know there's thousands and thousands of women who jug who who, 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 jug, who juggle parenthood and work you know like you make it out like it was something really difficult i suppose it is if your brain capacity is a bit limited but uh she says here you know i've sort of grown up and uh, to be honest with you, I really couldn't care less. They always get loads of coverage when people go back to Coronation Street. Like it's going to make any difference. Like you've got that big storyline that's going to run in EastEnders. Cat apparently is going to attempt suicide. Well, quite clearly it's not going to happen because she's still in it. And as far as I know, she's not been written out. And uh, and they always think that's sort of like a good storyline because they reckon that if they do that, then it will get, you know, people watching. Why would you want to watch that? Why would you want to watch somebody's demise on a programme. I mean, I really don't know why somebody would want to do that. But they um, but they, but they, they do it all the time. And they think it's a storyline that you're interested in. I'm not remotely interested in somebody who's, who's so depressed because of something that happened in their childhood that they go to take their own life in a soap opera, which is pretend. It doesn't reflect life in any way, shape or form because you'd have had that area of... I mean, you wish the bomb yesterday had been found in Walford and they'd let it go off. Trevor, Trevor says it is with much regret... I'm asking you to cease and desist with your food talk, your culinary descriptions of craving fried bread, telling us what you're thinking about having a, a sustenance wise after work makes all your early risers pine for food. Going to the kitchen to eat. Oh, but the trouble is, you know, if you go to the kitchen, you don't really have enough time to start cooking sausages and fried bread and, and stuff like that, do you? So you end up having a bowl of cereal, then you suddenly realise that the milk's gone off. So you can't even have that. So I always keep in the cupboard, at least four tins of baked beans, at least a packet of bacon. And I've discovered if you cut the bacon up small, it cooks quicker. Do it in one of those porcelain frying pans, very quickly. It won't have reached you over there in Ireland, Trevor. Uh, but you could do it in a saucepan, and then stick in a tin of beans over the top, and that could be done fairly quickly. If you turn the heat really up high, that's quite good. The fried bread. That sounds quite appealing, doesn't it? Fried bread. If, I go, if we all go to Morrison's, perhaps we can persuade Morrison's to open up now so they can do us some fried bread. I tell you what, I really fancy at this precise moment, two pieces of fried bread with bacon layered over the top and then beans poured over the top of that. <laughs> Small wonder I'm diabetic, honestly. There's no hope, is there, for the future. There is no way that I'm ever going to sort of be a little thin person. Although I, I like to think secretly that I might be at some point in my life. I might actually sort of lose an awful lot of weight. Actually, on the, on the subject of, uh, of weight, there is a piece in one of the papers today, say, and it's some woman who goes to university, so she's obviously really bright, and she said that we should make uh, calling people fat uh, a crime in the same way that sort of it, it ranks with racism, homophobia, anti-Semitism. Really? I don't think so. I mean, I'm fat. I couldn't care. Let somebody can say you're fat. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Why would you be bothered by it? Unless, of course, you think it's really something that, that's bad. In which case, then you probably would be bothered by it. The concerned family of Louis Tomlinson are in all the papers today. What a boring family there must be. Because their little little boy has finished with his girlfriend. He couldn't wait to get rid of her. He had another one lined up. Happened two weeks ago. 
His teenage sister, Lottie, apparently has been touring with the boys and is providing a shoulder for Louis to cry on. Oh, get over yourselves, you drips. He doesn't need a shoulder to cry on. He's having a great deal of fun, dear. You know, nothing worse than milking a scenario, is there? 14 to 5. Eve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. Actually, the more you read about the Louis Tomlinson family, the more you realise that they're either horribly out of touch or they're all a bit simple. Because Louis Tomlinson split from his girlfriend because he's got another one. In fact, he's absolutely loving it. He was pictured the other day in a pool with a girl. and uh, But his sister, who's with him on the tour and apparently knows him really well, uh, says he's, he's heartbroken. I thought... It's not. Don't be so stupid. And then friends have flocked to comfort Eleanor by staying with her. I mean, how old is she? What, is she five years old or something? 22 years old, and so somebody's finished with her. Good God in heaven. You're not going to make it through life, are you? But anyway, a friend came outside yesterday to say to the waiting reporter, um, she doesn't have any comment to make. I thought, she will. Don't worry, she will, because she's going back to obscurity very, very shortly. Very shortly. Uh where is the top global holiday destination? Many of you thinking Bridlington. Many of you are probably saying Bath or Loch Ness or somewhere like that. No, believe it or not, it's Marrakesh. Marrakesh is the place to go to. I'm not really a fan of, uh, of Marrakesh. I've never been there. It just strikes me as sort of being one of those places that I wouldn't like. Uh, the top UK destinations. This is room prices in hotels. In Glasgow... £90.46. Nine is Keswick. 139 quid for a room in... It must be very pretty, mustn't it? York, £118. Blackpool's fairly cheap, but there again... That's just something... You don't need to say anything else, do you? Blackpool's fairly cheap. Torquay, 91 quid, as is Landudno. Edinburgh's 146 and London, £162.25. Good grief. However, going abroad, Cape Town, £77. Really cheap Cape Town, very cheap. Paris, 114, dump of a place. Don't ever go there. Filthy and horrible. Uh, Buenos Aires, number eight, £63 for Buenos Aires, if you really choose to go there. Rome, £86.72. There's a dirty, filthy place. London, £162, as we've already discovered. Prague is very cheap, 57 quid. Hanoi, £27 for a hotel room in Hanoi. That sounds quite nice. Istanbul, not Constantinople, 7166. Uh, CM Rip, 3771, which is Marrakesh. Uh, sorry, Marrakesh is number one at £60.27. It's not bad, is it, for a hotel room? But uh, I always think it depends on what the facilities are like. You know, if there, if there are good facilities there and if you're, if you're near the tourist attractions and the food is good. And I wouldn't know what the food was like in Marrakesh. It sounds, it sounds quite nice. I mean, perhaps I should go there. I'm not really a holiday person. People say to me, you know, what, you, you don't do holidays. And I've, I'm notoriously known for not doing a holiday. I don't need to do a holiday. Every day is a holiday. Every single day is a holiday. I've never had a day which wasn't a holiday. Apart from when I've had a cold, and that's, that's a miserable kind of a day. Uh, a near-fatal car crash gave the voice semi-finalist Sheena McHugh the inspiration to write music. Oh, thank God for that. I knew there'd have to be a story somewhere. They're so desperate to get people to watch The Voice, but you're deserting it in droves. Three million people have gone already. Sheena needed two years of surgery, but luckily it gave her the inspiration to write music. Is that touching? No, not really. She said the accident was horrible, but it led me to start writing my own music. Oh, God help us. <laughs> Actually, Gary Barlow's writing the music for, um, is it Calendar Girls? Calendar Girls, the musical, which is coming in. I'm looking forward to seeing Gypsy. Very much looking forward to seeing Gypsy. 
which is with Imelda Staunton at the Savoy Theatre. There's also uh, Mrs Doubtfire coming in. Loads of stuff coming into the West End, but the West End's always been fairly vibrant. So I know you have theatre around the country, but I think I think we have the best theatre. We have it because it's it's the capital, isn't it? So that's why we actually like it. Um, other stories in the Mirror today. Ian Highland talking about Trevor McDonald when he gamely stepped aside and allowed Dermot O'Dreary to take control of the National TV Awards. It seems like it would be pipe and slippers time. And who would have blamed him for taking it easy, being paid to make a glorified holiday video each year, like the Secret Caribbean and the Secret Mediterranean sounds like the best golden handshake ever. But uh, here he is off talking about. The Mafia. And the result last night was good stuff. The Mafia with Trevor MacDonald. The tales of cold-blooded murder and disregard for human life were every bit as gripping and disturbing as his Inside Death Row series. People like, yeah, I think people tend to think that it's some sort of joke, the Mafia, don't they? Without realising there's so many different forms of the Mafia. You've got the Italian Mafia who emanate from Sicily and operate in New York and uh, in many legitimate businesses, but they control a lot of New York. The rubbish and the fashion industry and stuff like that, all controlled by the Mafia. Um, I should imagine Vegas would be controlled to a certain extent by certain factions. So in other words, you turn dirty money into clean money. And that's what a lot of people do. In Chinatown, it used to be the Chinese triad. Now I think it's all Maltese gangs in there. And then we had it the other day. Was it in Norway that there was a shooting in a restaurant? And it was rival gangs in Norway or Sweden or something. It was Sweden. God, I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. There's a story in the paper today. I don't know if you can get away with this on a breakfast show. His name is Henry Chow Hoi Leung. And he was jailed for life. He chopped up his parents and cooked their remains in a microwave. You've got him going into court wearing a... A black hoodie on. Um, he salted and cooked the flesh before packing it in lunchboxes with rice. They found the heads of his mum and his dad stuffed inside two fridges. Remains were found in a bin. The rest of it, they think, um, was eaten by him. Uh, they called him a narcissistic failure. And then they gave him a double life sentence. He was preoccupied with fantasies. I mean, isn't that slightly odd? I mean, all he did was he, he murdered them. He said he wanted to kill himself six months before the attack, but chose to take revenge on his parents instead. And uh, he stood impassively in the dock, denied murder, but admitted preventing lawful burial, for which he got nine years and four months. A friend was found not guilty of murder. I mean, I can't believe These people must hate their parents so much, mustn't they? That they would actually do something like that. I find it, I find it deeply, deeply disturbing. But anyway, you know, putting him in... I'm surprised, actually, China. I thought they'd have hanged him already. They don't sort of hang around with things like that. There is a story of a churchgoer. And um, this woman here is called Kelly Richards. I think she's a Jehovah's Witness. And so she goes to her church um, and uh, she had sex with a schoolboy during a three-month affair. Uh, She first had sex with him. Uh, who's a friend of her son, at her home after a row with her husband. She even warned him, don't tell anybody because I might get done. This is in Merthyr Tidville. She was found out when the boy's mum bugged his room and heard their chats. She admitted sexual activity with a child and got a two-year suspended jail term. Suspended. And yet they call him a child. It's odd, isn't it? You seem to go from child to adult. So in other words, if somebody's under 16, they are called a child... And yet, really, I mean, you know, at 12 and 13 now, people are having sex and having children and all sorts of things. You know, quite out of kilter with the rest of society. But for some strange reason, at 15, you're considered a child. And yet, one minute past the midnight, you all of a sudden become an adult at 16. So she had an affair with him. I bet her uh, family now are going, oh, my God, that's my mum. She had sex with my best friend from church. 
from church. But it wasn't just on one occasion. It was on numerous occasions, which is slightly worrying, slightly worrying. Um, apparently, although Cape Town is rated as cheap, I would hazard a guess and say the equality of accommodation would probably be the best, most likely five-star. It'll be down to the... Uh, the favourable exchange rate, 77 quid, amounts to about 2,000 rands, which is a fair amount for a hotel room. Uh, bias, South African, highly recommend. Cape Town, says Benito. So there you go. See, I mean, you do get... We actually get a lot for our money over in Cape Town. It doesn't interest me in going, but I, I do know, you know, you have all these uh, these sort of cheap bargains. And you can get cheap bargains. You know, you, you can go to places around the world. They have all these... TripAdvisor and Trivago and different different places where you can f- try and get a deal on a hel- on a hotel room. Can't be that difficult, can it? But uh, if you had to worry too much about how much things cost, I wouldn't bother going on holiday. You're going for the wrong reason. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Ian says you can have breakfast with crisp fried bread at the Surbiton Cafe for under a fiver. It's got to be... I've now got that in my mind. Fried bread, three rashers of bacon, beans over the top of it. Maybe a sausage. Maybe a sausage as well. 84850, steve at uk, And um, another one says, you made me take my leg back into the bed with your talk of snakes, says Mary. You know, that I'm, I'm not good with snakes. I'm not a good person with snakes. It always frightens me, especially as I discovered that, do you know where a lot of snakes turn up in? Basement flats. And the reason they turn up in base, and I only mention this because there was a lady who uh, was was in the bathroom and a snake came out of the toilet and she nearly had a heart attack, as you can imagine. And apparently it's quite common. I don't want to worry if you live in a basement flat or anything like that. But, you know, the only water in your toilet is in the U-Bend. So for a snake to go through that is dead easy. That's why rats can come through. So you should always, always put the lid down at night and then they can't actually come in because there'd be nothing worse than being on the toilet. And then, and then a rat... I mean, that would be awful, wouldn't it? Can you imagine? That'd be terrible. I don't want to frighten you in any way, shape or form, but that's where a lot of them come from, because they escape in flats and they get themselves into the water system, into the pipes. And snakes don't know where they're going to. They just sort of, they just sort of wander down a pipe and then they get to the other end and they think, let's pop up in here. And it could be in your bathroom. They're never going to go upwards. They're always going to go down. So it's always basement flats that suffer. <gasps> scary, scary. I'm not sure I could actually cope with things like that. But imagine keeping as this man did, 38 pythons in a flat, and somebody stole them. I mean, what would you take them away in? Oh, I suppose you just put them in, in um, like, pillowcases. You don't need to worry, do you, about anything else? Just a, just a pillowcase you could keep a, keep a snake in. Uh, still to come, David Cameron, who says, I won't serve a third term. So they've got a picture of him in, uh, in the kitchen of his constituency house. It's a very small, pokey little kitchen, it has to be said, but, uh, but quite nice and perfect for a shelfie. Your very own library. I looked at a house the other day down in Henley, and it's got its own cinema, but this is a cinema like you've never seen. It's actually got an upstairs and, and a balcony, and it looks fantastic. The house is only 10 million, so if anybody listening has got a spare 10 million, I'm your man. Still to come, more sackings in the run-up to the general election. By the time we get there, there'll be nobody left. Uh, anger as the police won't name a sex criminal on the run because it's personal. They won't even say whether it's a man or a woman, but they are a convicted sex criminal. Uh, fine over the abattoir horses. This story you've got to hear. Uh, we've got to be tough on Clarkson, says somebody called Ben Cooper, who's in radio. Got no idea what it's got to do with him. Uh, the cyclist who threw the litter back could now face an assault charge. Bit of a mistake on this one. He chased after the car and threw the paper cup back through the window. 
and the motorist gets out. He looks like a bit of a thug, but now apparently it could go back the other way. And the two Powells who died, they took heroin. They thought it was cocaine. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Good morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 24th of March, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Call Boris today. There'll be a lot to talk about, especially as David Cameron says that he could be the next leader of the Conservative Party. More sackings in the run-up to the general election, dropping like flies at the moment. A bowl of cereal a day adds years to your life. That's good news. I think you've got to pick the right cereal. It's no good just picking anything and sticking loads of sugar on it. Uh, The child killer who's turned into a national hero. People queue now to see his coffin. That's Richard III. They've milked it. It's now just a publicity machine. Presumably the Richard III gift shop will be opening very, very shortly. Uh, The cyclist who threw the litter back could now face an assault charge. The uh, Buckingham Palace gift shop. So much of it made in China. And uh, two pals who died in a heroin overdose. Thought it was cocaine. That's the trouble. So they both died as a result. And boozed-up women pay more than £2.5 million in fines. It's almost an occupational hazard now, isn't it, that people go out to get drunk. And, uh, and women, depending on what your, your, your sort of body mass is, I suppose, get, get drunker than most people. I mean, people do. We see it all the time. In London, doesn't matter whether you're in Glasgow or Edinburgh or Halifax or West Lothian, it doesn't matter. You're always going to find, on a Friday and a Saturday night, drunk people, people who cannot handle their drink, who are falling about all over the place. You see it, and then the police have to pick up the pieces. And I'm sure they'd much rather be doing, you know, much better things for the community as opposed to worrying about, uh, about drunks. Sally says, I eat tonnes of sweets and fatty food. Sugar level is six, cholesterol's eight. I'm thin and still alive, and unless you're prepared to run four miles a day and eat less, you'll never lose weight. Hope I haven't depressed you. I never suffer from depression, Sally. I'm one of these very fortunate people. Nothing ever phases me at all. You see, you're one of those those people. It wouldn't make any difference what you eat. You're never going to put on weight. It's got nothing to do with the running thing. It's your metabolism. That's the way it works. I had a friend of mine. She never did any exercise at all. She was this thin, which is fairly thin. And uh, she could eat curries, crisps, takeaway Chinese, never put on an ounce of weight. It was her, you know, some other people. I've only got a look at a couple of patisserie Valerie cakes and they go, you know, straight away. I bought some cakes in the other day from Costco. And uh, they were very popular. They went very quickly. I noticed I came in this morning. They were they were good, weren't they? Those frangipan things. They were very nice indeed. And um, somebody else says here, you've made me take uh, my leg back into the bed. Oh, this was the, the one about, about worrying about snakes in a room and stuff like that. It is, the kind of, it is the kind of worrying stuff, isn't it? You worry about snakes. I worry about anything like that. You know, I even worry about the man with the rat who went into the restaurant to get the free meal and then put, put the rat down there without realising, because he was a bit simple. You're quite clear. I think you should go and write on the outside of his house. You're a simpleton, aren't you? You're a bit stupid, because a domestic rat doesn't look anything like a wild rat. They don't behave in the same way. Domestic rat will just sit there waiting to be picked up. The wild rat, of course, will have found the bolt hole to get back where it came from, which is very interesting. In the, uh, in the papers, and uh, another one here... Oh, Susan says, the kid who killed his parents is from Hong Kong. There's no hanging. He should get the electric chair. Well, just send him over to China. Send him over to mainland China. They can hang him. A lot easier. I mean, I don't... I don't see, as far as I'm concerned, somebody's found guilty of murdering his parents and eating them. I don't think... Why should people have to pay for his living in, in prison? No, 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 no. I think you have to get rid of him straight away. There's no... Just take him out of the equation. 
Makes me a bad person, doesn't it, probably? But to be honest with you, I really couldn't care less. Uh, so in the papers for today, um, uh, UKIP say, according to the Express this morning on the front page, uh, if you close the door on unskilled workers, it will boost our economy. Yeah, you don't want somebody coming in the country who's not going to contribute, do you? Surely you want somebody in whose uh, who's skills they have something that we can use in the country. The Tory candidate has... Uh, uh, has uh, stepped down last night. This is uh, Afsal Armin, filmed in talks with the former English Defence League leader, Tommy Robinson, who was on LBC yesterday, saying, you know, he was the one who sort of, he, he sort of spilled the beans on it. So quite rightly, uh, I mean, had to step down. Gordon Ramsay's bought a million-pound car. He's bought a million-pound set of wheels. It's a LaFerrari supercar. It's capable of hitting 218 miles an hour. But as we all know, you can't drive anywhere in this country for 218 miles an hour. Now, he used to drive a Bentley. I know that because he told me that he he used to love driving down the embankment with the roof down on the Bentley, listening to his music. And now he's got a Ferrari. And to be honest with you, I think you end up with a bad back. You know, people like us, it's useless, a Ferrari. We couldn't get in and out of it if our life depended on it because it's way too low down. And it's a million pounds for a car. How can you ever justify a million pounds? That's a lot of Skodas. That's a, you could have a Skoda for every day of the year, I should imagine, for a million pounds. Meanwhile, they say Top Gear's Clarkson is reduced to riding a bike with the photographer. And so they've got a picture of him there riding his bike. However, I'm slightly perturbed. According to the Express today and numerous other papers, uh, the fine over the abattoir horses, page five, Ian. Uh, this is the boss of a slaughterhouse who is the first person to be sentenced over the horsemeat scandal. Peter Boddy was fined £8,000 after admitting one count of failing to abide by EU meat regulations. He runs a slaughterhouse in Todmorden in West Yorkshire. He admitted failing to comply with the regulations. He sold 55 horse carcasses without a record of where they were going. Italian restaurants took 37 of them. So Italian restaurants were knowingly selling horse they took horse and they were passing it off as God knows what. He dealt with a further 17 animals without documents on where they'd come from. He was sentenced at Southwark Crown Court alongside the site's manager, David Moss, who admitted forging an invoice on horses. They were sentenced to four months imprisonment and suspended. Apparently sentencing them, Judge Alastair McCreeth says traceability of food is of critical importance. Absolutely. So he sold all this horse meat to people who must have known it was horse meat. I'm surely any expert can tell you. Uh, starting the day with a bowl of cereal. Um, they do say um, it's a diet high in whole grains and cereal fibre. So it's not really a bowl of cereal, is it, as you know it. You know, somebody says a bowl of cereal, I think sugar puffs. I think cocoa pops. I don't think a bowl of pulses and grains and stuff like that. I mean, they, they do say here it's uh, a 17% reduced risk of premature death compared to those eating an average of 0.13 ounces or 43 grams. Even when taking into account health, physical activity and obesity, the reduction was the same. So that's good, isn't it? But, I mean, I think porridge is still the best way forward. I think porridge is probably good for you. It's just not good, Neil, with, with the honey and stuff like that. Blueberries are fine. You could probably put blueberries in that, but I think honey is definitely a no-no. You know, I think it's it's really the kind of thing you've got to say, I'm sorry, honey, you cannot squeeze into a into a bowl. And it doesn't matter, you know, whether or not you think that porridge is the is the really good thing for you. The honey is really bad, really bad. I don't eat honey. It's all sugar. 
it's all sugar. But if Neil thinks that he's not going to become a diabetic, he must be doing something right, I suppose. Uh, for Kate says, I live on the Gold Coast in Australia. My daughter is an hour north in Brisbane. And uh, rather timely for me, your conversation about snakes this morning. Late yesterday, my daughter phoned me to say a five-foot-long black snake was at her back door when she arrived home with my three young grandchildren. She lives in a ground-floor apartment. This, unfortunately, is life in Australia. The snake catchers are kept busy here this time of year. They charge about $200, I believe, to come out and capture the said reptiles. It is terrifying, however, with young children playing in the garden in summer, about 30 degrees at the moment. Oh, ghastly, ghastly. They were doing a thing on um, Johnny, what's-his-face, was doing a programme where people wanted to go and live abroad, and these were people going to live in Florida. And he was taking them around Naples and things like that in Florida. And you get a, if you're spending 150,000 quid, you get a lot for your money. If you're spending 300,000 pounds, you're getting a serious amount of house. That would be four double bedrooms, probably uh, two kitchens, huge sitting room, pool, lanai, all that kind of stuff. But the one thing you have to be aware of is that most of the gated estates in Florida are surrounding lakes and pools and stuff like that. And they have crocodiles or alligators, whatever they have over there. And he said, the one thing you don't do is you don't go swimming in any of these lakes. Because it is possible that these things come out of the water. And that's why most of the swimming pools and the gardens, they've actually got cages over them to stop these animals getting in. Because that's where they were originally. And it's quite dangerous, actually. Some of these things are quite big. And you're not going to argue with them. You know, it's just because you're in America and you go, oh, it's fantastic. It's all going to be safe. The last thing it is, is safe. It's it is absolutely awful. But people like living on these on these estates over there. for The simple reason that you get so much. You really get so much. Most of them carry a charge. Anything up to about depending on which estate you're on. Two hundred and fifty quid. That covers your water, your sewage, uh, generally a clubhouse with a pool. And there's all sorts. You, you get a lot for your money over in the States. It's just it's a long way to go. If you could get the same over here, it would be fantastic. But uh, you can't. You, you just don't get as much at all. Um, Steve, I was just uh, fantasising, says Cape, about the Ulster Fry I'm going to have when we go to Northern Ireland in May. And you give us a graphic description of chopped parrots and rice. I don't know. I, mean, I don't really. It's not the first time we've talked about eating people, is it? Wasn't there a plane that came down in the Andes some years ago and they had to decide when they were going to start eating? I forget what. Well, it was made into a film. Was it survive or alive or something like that? And then they had to decide, you know, whether they were going to start eating people. And you kind of think, oh, not, not so good, is it, really? But it, it has happened before. And I suppose there are people who are, who are sort of mentally ill who would think that's OK. I don't. I, really, I share your, uh, your concern, Kate. <laughs> I share your concern on things like that. Front page of the um, Independent today is a picture of uh, Fadil Nasir. Uh, he lives in uh, in Gaza, and he's lived with a bomb. I think it's an unexploded bomb. And he's li- we had one, didn't we, in this country the other day? We had one here in uh, in London, and they had to sort of try and evacuate loads and loads of people. Because I'm assuming there must be loads of unexploded unexploded bombs out there. And so, if you find one, you've got to be so careful that you don't go uh, sort of anywhere near it. And uh, you have to be very, 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 very careful. Um, what else have we got here in the papers today? Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Um, There's a person here who's got a greenhouse, but they're playing God. 
I've always wanted a greenhouse. Always wanted a greenhouse. I've always thought that must be the nice thing. When, when we were at school, there was a greenhouse for the school and you could grow stuff in there and then take it home later. And I always remember the smell of earth in a greenhouse. You never, ever forget it. It was something really quite, quite wonderful. Very sort of, not just sort of earthy. It, it, had just, it was just one of those smells. You know, you get smells like the cut grass and stuff like that. And this was the most fantastic smell. It really was of earth and John in his compost and getting your hands dirty and growing stuff that you took home. It was uh, happy days. Quarter past five. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. Look at the team with you at seven this morning. So as David Cameron says, he'll stand down after two terms and names his possible successors. One of the front runners, Boris Johnson, is on the show. Yes, it's called Boris today. You can put your questions to the possible future leader of the Conservative Party after nine o'clock. And although many Muslims say it helps them settle problems, Theresa May has ordered a review of Sharia courts. Should we allow Sharia law in Britain? John McKenzie, executive diary editor of the Daily Mail is reviewing the papers. Nick Ferrari at 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. I suddenly realise, actually, reading the bizarre column in The Sun today, it takes eight people to put this this rubbish together. Oh, what a dreadful waste. I must have a word with Stig Abel about this. What a dreadful waste of money. Eight people. Good God in heaven. What does the editor of it do? Very little, by the look of it. Very little, indeed. Uh, the bookies have banned a footy ace. And this is troubled ex-footballer Clark Carlyle has been banned from... 1,800 betting shops on the day he admitted a drink-drive charge. I love that they call them troubled ex-footballers. Troubled. What does troubled stands for nowadays? All sorts of things. Uh, he was barred by Coral after telling The Sun how he lost vast sums gambling. He's a former Leeds and uh, Burnley star. He tried to kill himself three days before Christmas. He said, I'm delighted. I commend Coral for taking a decision in my interests. These, but he also blew a large amount in a casino before he was arrested for drink-driving in North London. And... Um, it's it's a bit difficult. He's got two previous drink-driving convictions. And he says, whatever happens, I'll face up to it. Uh, he's also losing his £100,000-a-year role as a football pundit for ITV. So he won't be able to afford to gamble anyway, but people who gamble will do all sorts of things, won't they? Because it's an addiction. Luckily, I've never been addicted to gambling. I could no more stand there. And I do watch with great fascination the television programmes, the roulette wheels, we're spinning from number 12. And they spin the ball round there. I mean, that's just the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen in my life. But it, obviously it gen- generates a huge amount of money. I heard one of them saying the other day, since January we've given away £180 million. I thought, Good God, how much do these things generate? And the answer is they generate a serious amount of money because people get in late at night, they've come in from clubs... Or they've, uh, or they've come in from, you know, bars or wherever it is, anything like that. And they sit down and they can play on the television. Whereas I think, it's, you're, you're playing against a machine. How do you know? How do you know what's real and what isn't real? Is it virtual? Is it not virtual? We know the presenters are real, because we know some of the presenters. But I just, I sort of can't understand how addictive it is. But I've watched people throwing huge sums of money. I've been to casinos in this country. In London, I've been to casinos and looked at people who look like they're minicab drivers chucking money down on the table. Bundles of £50 notes. Wow. Mind you, I've seen it in Vegas as well. I'd never... I'd be, I'd be in tears losing stuff like that. That would be absolutely dreadful. Totally agree with you, Kip, says Kevin the Milkman. We don't need to import unskilled workers. We've got enough unskilled English people to do the jobs, but as soon as anybody says they agree with a UKIP statement, they get called racist. Blooming ridiculous. Yes, I mean, I always thought that if you go into another country 
and you want to settle there. They want to know what you do. Australia, they want to know, do you have a skill that you can bring to the country that they're short of? Surely that should be exactly the same here without anybody being called any silly names. You know, if, if we've got a shortage of, you know, lathe workers, well, then we're looking for lathe workers. You know, we don't want just somebody coming here, sponging off the country, which we seem to be ending up with, or failing that, taking full advantage of the NHS without actually contributing into the system. As far as I'm concerned, we do it the same as America. If you want to use the NHS and you're not registered and you've contributed nothing, you pay. You pay for it. Yesterday we had the, the, uh, the people talking on LBC and on Sunday as well about people with tattoos, having them removed for free on the NHS. As far as I'm concerned, you can afford to have a tattoo. You can afford to have it taken away. I'm not paying for stuff like that. Uh, Dean says, Trini Woodall's about to come out with her own cosmetic range. Is she? What's an Earth for? What's an Earth for? What would, would people buy into? Everybody does it, though, don't they? I'm surprised it's not a clothing range. Uh, Sally said, I live in Durban. Came home from work with Dan. Would step over house snakes. Oh. Did you remember reading that, the story about the woman? I think it's on, it's on YouTube. And she, a snake appeared in a house. It might have been Australia, somewhere like that. And it ate her dog. She went into the bedroom to see the dog disappearing into the snake's mouth. Uh, it was only a little, little tiny dog, but you know what snakes are like if they're fairly big. And they would, they would gorge. I mean, honestly, how frightening is that? I couldn't live in any country. I couldn't, I couldn't live in any country where, um, where there are snakes. Crawling, although I have lived in countries like that. Uh, is your interview, uh, says Lorna, with James O'Brien still on the system? I think it's him interviewing me, and I don't know. Paul in Manchester would have to tell you on the podcasting for In Conversation. Yes, he interviewed me. And uh, it actually got one of the biggest downloads. Out of all the downloads that we do, and we do get huge figures on the download, this one pr- produced the uh, the most downloads, mainly because it was just a, just a chat about radio and stuff like that and how, how I sort of got into it. I think it might still be on there. I think it might still be on there. But Paul in Manchesterford would be able to tell you better. So no doubt, before the end of the programme, he will no doubt be coming back and saying, yes, it's on the system and it's there and you can download it, which is good. Uh, Steve says, Pip, all people can get fat. It's just that thin people don't eat as much as fat people. They do. That's the trouble. They do. Some thin people eat even more. There's a person in our office. They eat. A f- I mean, well, I'll tell you a classic example, because you've spoken to him on LBC. Sam Pittis is thin. Sam Pittis is th- I mean, I look like a whale next to Sam Pittis. And I said to him, I said, I think you're losing weight. He said, I'm eating tons. He eats tons of food. Tons of food. So it's not true that thin people don't eat. They do. They do it. And some thin people, you know, want to eat loads, but they uh, they just don't put on weight. They say a fat person will eat breakfast, lunch, dinner and snacks in between. A thin person will eat breakfast and dinner at night. Not true. Absolutely not true. Fat people don't eat more fatty foods. Not true. Blatant lie. Blatant lie. No, thin people eat just as much. It just means that they've got different metabolism. I think some people are destined to be fat and some people are destined to be thin. You know, there's nothing you do that's different. If I actually wrote down every single thing that I ate in the course of a day, it'll be exactly the same as loads of other people. It's just that on me, it transfers into something else. And uh, on them, it transfers into something else. There's a lovely uh, story about a dog who's dying. And it's in the sun today. And so what they've done is uh, Coco, he's, he's a Rottweiler. And he, he's, he's compiled, well, I suspect his owner has compiled. He's a please a police dog. Uh, his, uh, his, his owner... Simon Spencer, S-Y-M-O-N. 
I'm sorry, I do despair with stupid spellings of people's names. Uh, has laid on 22 treats uh, for him. Uh, oh, actually, no, he, he might not be a police dog. He's sitting in a police helicopter. So um, he also wanted a photograph taken with the British Transport Police. He wanted to try sushi, uh, sit in the front cab of a train, <laughs> sit in a police car, <laughs> swim in a pool with, with Daddy, go for a ride in Mummy's convertible, eat a Big Mac from a drive through and eat fish and chips at the beach. So he's done all this. He's, he's got bone cancer. I can't imagine that eating a Big Mac and fish and chips is going to be helping him very much. But if that's what he wants to have before he uh, before he dies, then who am I to complain, ladies and gentlemen? Who am I to complain about these sort of things? I think it's quite nice people make these these lists and you think, oh, I do that as well. I would do that. I would make a, a wish list if somebody told me I had an incurable illness. I would do a wish list. What would it be? I don't know. I'm trying to think what would be top of my wish list. I can't think of anything that would be on there. I quite like to eat fish and chips every day. That would suit me down to the ground. That would really suit me down to the ground. You know, if I could eat fish and chips. I have to go to... We have this uh, this fish and chip shop in, in Twickenham. And I can't go there because it's too 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 nice. And it's uh, and their, their fish is delicious. But it's cooked to order. It's PKs. And uh, I've had it a couple of times. And it's, I've just put on so much weight. I don't think it's very good for me either, but I, I do uh, I do like stuff like that. All the all the all the stuff that's really bad for you is the stuff that you like. That's the trouble. Cream cake. Why can't they make cream cakes that aren't fattening? Why can't you have fried food that's not bad for you? You know, because you you get to a certain time in your life, and a lot of people start going right. Got to start losing weight. And I've said to you time and time again on LBC, whatever you do, don't fall into the trap of buying one of these celebrity DVDs. There's going to be a couple out shortly. There's going to be Martine McCutcheon's. You know there is because she's been pictured out in a park with a trainer and a photographer. And Lauren Goodger's got one as well. So don't don't waste your money. You know, go to the doctor, say, listen, I need to lose some weight. Well, the doctor would have told you by now, I should imagine. And they give you a diet sheet and you follow it. It's as simple as that. It's not complicated. You don't need to spend money on a DVD from some celebrity who's not doing it to care about you. They're doing it to line their pockets. They're doing it because they don't actually have any uh, any talent at all for those sort of things. Other stories in the uh, the paper today. And um, the Smiths guitarist, Johnny Marr. Do we know Johnny Marr? We do know Johnny Marr. Guess what he's going to do? This is going to upset everybody. He's going to write an autobiography. And, of course, he fell out famously with Morrissey, who's a slightly pretentious person. And so, despite the rift, they have sniped at each other since 1987. He's 51. He said yesterday, the time has come to tell my story. Oh, dear, it's going to upset Morrissey. You know what a tantrum he can have. He'll be stamping his foot and he'll not be a happy person. Would I want to read it? Not really. I don't care about rifts within bands. I'm not really particularly bothered about things like that. And the Smiths, I always thought, was slightly dour, a little bit dreary, I'm afraid. They got three million... T- well, to reform? Three million pounds. Oh, I can imagine Morrissey turned that down. Didn't he famously once walk off stage because the venue he was playing in served burgers? Pretentious. Moi? Pretentious. Yes, absolutely pretentious. <laughs> I love it. Meet his murder. We're not going to play at this gig because they serve burgers. Of course, if they serve vegetarian food, hardly anybody would eat it, which is a little bit of a, a shame. Mary Berry celebrates her 80th birthday today. Happy birthday, Mary Berry. 80, and she's transferred. I'm delighted to see her back on the television. She was always a star. She was a great interview for us for In Conversation, and especially when it turned out that she, she knew my uh, late auntie. 
because they used to go to the same church. So that pleased me no end. I keep looking at pictures of this blooming Morrison's breakfast. Do they have Morrison's big supermarkets where they do breakfast? I need to go and check these things out. Time check for you. I know you worry about it. It's five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, it's Tuesday. Riveting, isn't it? Tuesday. I don't know why we say it as if it was something to be proud of. It's Tuesday and everybody's going, shut up. We've got to work all the way through to Friday. Uh, Lucas probably works every day. He's a no-nonsense, result-driven personal trainer. And looks like it as well. He's got one of those sort of bodies that, Lucas, if I, if I live to be 43, I could never, ever have a body like that. And don't, well, because you're black for a start, so there's no chance of me ever looking like you. I mean, it looks like we've been working out since the year dot, but he does enjoy the Listen Grove seashell for fish and chips. Now, of course, I know the Listen Grove seashell very well indeed, because a friend of mine lives practically next door to it. So I've been on there on many an occasion... I like... I see, I'm a scampion chips person. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm telling you this. It's got nothing to do with it. But I'm, I'm assuming that, as Lucas is... I get a lot of, of uh, fitness trainers and a lot of people who seriously work out. Seriously work out. And it must be something... Perhaps it's instilled in you from an early age, Lucas. I've got no idea. But uh, I'm, sort of, I mean, I'm not happy with my shape. I mean, given the opportunity, I could probably do it. And I know that you'll now send me a text. You go, listen, I could get you fit and do this kind of thing. But uh, I'm quite happy with the way things are going at the moment. I mean, as I say, I'm never going to look like you. That's never going... I'm just not... It's not going to happen. But I, I can envy your body and say, you've obviously worked at it very hard, and if I had a body like yours, I'd be taking my shirt off in the LBC official photos. But sadly, nobody's ever... In fact, if anything, they asked me to cover up. Nobody's ever said... You know, I've, I've been going to nightclubs for... Well, not for obviously many a year now. And you go there and people walk around with their shirts off. I'm the only one with an anorak. I walk around, but nobody's ever, ever said to me, would you like to take your shirt off in a nightclub? In fact, I'd probably be escorted to the door. So, uh, so w- well done on the, uh, on the body achievement, Lucas. Uh, Phil Walker says, uh, only... <coughs> Excuse me, sorry, only just started listening. A little bit choked by that. He said, did you see Katie Hopkins and Simon Danzuk's heated debate? She's right again. Oh, she always is. That's the thing, she's always right. And I can't bear Simon Danzuk, him and his attention-seeking wife. I can't bear. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I'm allowed not to like people. I'm a, uh... Oh, is he? He is. Doing what? Oh, for God's sake, honestly. Do you know, every time they employ somebody, I have to go, oh, is he work- who's he working on? Is he working on any particular programme? Oh, he's working for Ian Dale. Oh, it doesn't count. I don't, I don't worry about Ian Dale's programme. <laughs> I never worry too much about that. But uh, then his, uh, his wife was in the paper again the other day. And you think, oh, no, please, please not. Have you heard of Dustin Hunter? I hadn't, but you're going to. Because he's in a programme called Breaking the Law. It's on Channel 5, and it's about bent coppers. And he is a bent copper. Uh, this one here used to be... Um, you know, sort of looking after and trying to find out who perpetrated certain crimes. And then he decided that uh, he didn't uh, he didn't want to do that anymore. He wanted to actually be the person who perpetrated the crime. He says, uh, so uh, he went out and then he tried to do a robbery. Unfortunately, the last one he tried to do, it was a setup to try and expose him as a bent copper. So he was arrested. He ended up uh, in debt. Uh, he sort of, uh, he, he got in with somebody who dealt drugs and all this kind of stuff. What he is, he's one of life's losers. You know, I'm sick to death of these sort of people who sort of try and justify what they do. We know what they are. They're people who, if he hadn't been caught, would have been reaping the benefits and living in Spain and laughing at the rest of you. But because he got caught, he's kind of ruined everything from himself. And he got uh, 
uh, into private surveillance, but it, he didn't realise it was a sting. He was so stupid, you know, not only bent, but thick as well at the same time. And so he planned a raid on a shop, but uh, unfortunately, because it was all a set-up, he got caught out. And he went to prison, jailed for seven years after admitting encouraging or assisting a planned robbery theft and possession with intent to supply cannabis. And then he comes out and then they do a programme on him. So technically it makes him sort of famous in some bizarre, twisted kind of way. And I don't, I don't like it, really. I don't think we should hail people like this. Because, as I say, if he'd not been caught... If luckily the people who uh, were around him had not aroused suspicion with the local constabulary, he wouldn't have been watched or found out. He would have been thieving left, right and centre and still doing it today. Still doing it today. And uh, the police force need to weed out people like this as quick as possible. There's, you know, there's too many stories that you read out of, um, out of the newspapers which involve police officers who've fallen off the edge because they see somebody who's making loads of money. That oh, I can have some of that. And so they try it, and then they, then they get caught out. Very rarely do they not get caught out. Very rarely. Very, very rarely. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And um, another one here. Last Friday, says Ron, I bought a car at an auction, drove it into the car park, left it overnight, went next morning to get it. It was gone. Removed by the DVLA because it wasn't taxed. They now want 560 quid to get it back. You see, I think that's a bit odd because we have that round our way as well. And I've said to people before, if the DVLA are operating in your area, they have a little car. And it's got a little, it's like a little smart car with a periscope on the roof. And it goes up and down the high street and it just keeps driving. There's two people, the driver. Next to him is the guy with the laptop. And every time it goes past a car that doesn't have uh, tax on it, it stops. And they then mark it up. And they come round and they put a clamp on it. And it's a DVLA clamp. It's written in green on it, DVLA. And they put a notice on the windscreen, this car is not taxed, blah, blah, blah. And you've got to pay. I've never heard of them taking the cars. They've got nowhere to take them to. They've got nowhere to take them to. So what they generally do is clamp. And then they just wait for the person to phone and say, somebody's clamped my car. Yep, because you owe tax. And it's not allowed to be on the road. No car is allowed to be on the road unless it is taxed. So if you think that it was a bit steep, 560 quid. That will be the back tax that's probably owed on that car. Because then there'll be a a charge for taking it away. If indeed they have taken it away. Normally, as I say, they just clamp. So I've got no idea why they would take it away. It's an unnecessary thing for them to do. The clamps are more than capable of generating their own income. And the 560 quid will probably be the charge of them putting the clamp on or taking it off or something like that. I've never heard of them clamping in in a car park. Was it a private car park? Public car park? Don't know. It seems an awful lot of money. And also quite cheap, £560, to actually get something towed away. Whereas, in fact, they could have just left it with the, with the clamp on. You, you couldn't have driven it because they would make sure that they got their money before you were allowed onto the roads. Kevin the Milkman says, My middle son, William, got his name after the Smith song of the same name. Liking the Smiths was one of the best few things my ex-wife and me had in common. I never got into the Smiths at all. The producer likes the Smiths, but there again, you know, this is the man whose wedding is going to be catered by Costco. So I rest my case. Yes, it is. It so is. You know you're going to be having frangipan and things like that. I think you're having fish finger sandwiches at his wedding. I persuaded him to drink Prosecco. I bought six bottles of Prosecco the other day because it was a bit of a bargain. And it's not that I mean... But I do like a bargain, and they had special offer. Normally, Marks and Spencer's Prosecco was £10.49 a bottle, which is a bit steep. Then they had a special offer the other day of two bottles, 
for £16. It takes it down to £8. And then, the other day, they said, uh, two bottles for £16, plus, if you buy six, you get 25% off. So I thought, oh, this is starting to look like a bargain. This is cheaper than Costco. So, and also, I had a voucher which gave me £5 off. If you spent over £30, you get £5 off. So I bought the six bottles, took them to the till, and up comes... £48, or whatever it was on the till, and then she pushes the thing, and chink, chink, and it goes to £36. And so I gave her my £5 voucher, and I paid £31, which is about a five or a bottle. So I thought that was a real bargain. But you have to have the £5 discount voucher to make it really worthwhile. So I found... In fact, that was even cheaper than Waitrose were doing it. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, 84850. Chris says, there are snakes in this country. Yes, we have, uh, we have uh, adders, do we not? And we have grass snakes, but to be brutally honest with you, have you ever seen a grass snake? It looks like a snake. I wouldn't want to stand there and go, is that snake going to bite me or is it not? Mostly, snakes just disappear away. And they don't uh, and they don't sort of bother people because they're fairly shy. If you tread on one, it's going to retaliate. And if you're out in the desert, there are all sorts of sidewinders and things like that. Uh, Martin on Twickenham Green says, totally agree, read PKs. There are five fish shops that are closer to me, but I pass them. Wow. Uh, Peter at Ashford says, my lovely wife, Janet. People always say that, don't they? My lovely wife, Janet. Well, they don't say it about your wife, admittedly. Perhaps it's only you that talks about Janet. I mean, I don't want to sort of start any rift here. The fact she knows lots of other people. I don't want to sort of, you know, come between you or something. OK, you go for divorce. OK, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I can understand that. He says, she's given me cornflakes with a banana, blueberries and raspberries. God, that sounds dull. Not, not, not cornflakes with things like that. I can have cornflakes with... We used to have... Banana with was it cornflakes or was it Rice Krispies? That was that was quite nice, but it's a, it's it's two different things, isn't it? It's two different sort of combinations of food. I, I mean, to be honest with you, porridge and bananas, porridge and blueberries, porridge and raspberries. That's okay. And with your lovely wife Janet, just about anything, eh? Just about anything. Eight four eight five zero. Janet in Rickmansworth says, "I've just uh, woken up, so I can listen to you." And the dawn chorus is beautiful. Did you notice it changed the other day when we had the, the total eclipse? Anybody notice that one? Anybody notice that? I, I, to be honest with you, it was over so fast. I was, I was a bit disappointed for the day. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't particularly good. Uh, Steve, the majority of Brits have welcomed and often supported people who come to live in this country. We are tolerant of other cultures and religions, uh, but we don't want our culture and religion downgraded or destroyed. Please respect the law of the country you've chosen to live in. Might not be perfect, but it is part of what makes us such an attractive place to live. Yes, I mean, Nick Ferrari will be talking about Sharia law this morning. It's almost like a separate law. A separate law. And you think, no, no, I don't think you should have... I don't think we should have Sharia courts. They have Sharia courts in this country. And people go there for, uh, for all sorts of guidance. And to be honest with you, I don't think we should have that. We're not operating a two-tier system. Well, we're not supposed to be operating a two-tier system. But uh, we certainly appear to be in some ways, don't we? Uh, little Julie says, uh, I see the actor Jim Dale is bringing his one-man show, Just Jim Dale, to the Vaudeville Theatre. He'd be good to get in. Yes, he would. Yes, because um, years and years ago, I had Jim Dale's son in the studio because he was... He's not married to her now, but he, he was getting married to this girl, and I persuaded them to... Uh, to um, to get married on the programme. His son, very, very good-looking. But Jim Dale, you're right, he'd be a good one, actually. I would have to tell the producer who Jim Dale was, because I don't think people would know that he was in uh, a lot of carry-ons. He was... Uh, he was, he, was a re- he went to live in America, 
long, long time ago, but you're right, he would be a good one to get for in conversation. Thank you, little Julie. I shall duly mention that. Duly mention it. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. He's here all week. Seats at all prices. Start the car. <laughs> I love stuff like that. Uh, no need to worry about tourism advantage of the NHS. We do it ourselves by paying advisors £700 a day. Or contractors, agency staff says, or a three to £400 a day. And some are employed for years. They've, they've got a guy in the paper today. He did one shift for the NHS. He picked up just over £3,000 for a shift. I mean, heavens, that's about as much as you get for presenting Countdown. I mean, that's ridiculous. And that's a whole day's work. But, uh, but you know, just to do a shift for the NHS, not bad, eh? Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Don't you find it slightly worrying that we don't have a tax disc? I thought that was the thing that said whether you'd paid. Now you've got to wait till somebody sort of comes behind you like a police car and they go, oh, no tax disc. Because I'm assuming a lot of people just won't bother because it's all done online, and so you don't actually display anything now. So you don't... I mean, I, I just see that as being a disaster, really. How do the police know, unless they've got their cameras... The poor police, they must have more things to worry about than heaven and earth. Uh, you know when you're really depressed, Steve, when you put the Smiths on to cheer yourself up? Yes. <laughs> I was like listening to Leonard Cohen, wasn't it? Leonard Cohen, the most manically depressive... Suzanne takes you down to... Oh, God, it was just... It was either that or listen to Mockingbird by Barclay James Harvest, which used to be listened to by students everywhere. And, uh, and then I watched one of these old pop programmes on the telly last night, and the Moody Blues were on, miming to Ride, Ride by Seesaw... And it was really good stuff, actually. I've forgotten just how good the Moody Blues were. In fact, I was so tempted to go out and buy a few of their albums because I'm, I like stuff like that. I like, I like a bit of nostalgia in the car, a little bit of nostalgia. Margaret in St Ives says, The bird song here in St Ives, the birds carried on singing during the eclipse, even though it was darker and eerily cold. I've got some great pictures of the strange light. We didn't get... It was really disappointing in London. Seriously, I mean, I was, I was very disappointed. Very disappointed. Uh, the only uh, phenomenal thing about the solar eclipse is where the birds freak out and fly off to the nesting places under the delusion that they're having an early night. Yes, imagine they go, do you know, it's been a very short day today. <laughs> we go to bed again. Oh, my God, we're waking up again. What is going on? Uh, Jim Dale was the doctor in the carry-on film. He was the lady charmer. Yes, Yes, he was. He um, he also did, I think he did Barnum. Now, he might have done it before Michael Crawford or after, because they, every time I turn on the telly, they're rerunning Michael Crawford in some mother's do which I thought is good. My friend Ian says, nice Barclay James Harvest reference. They did a, a great song. And I when, they, when the Berlin Wall came down, I've got Barclay James Harvest in, uh, in concert over there. And it was something about Ian. The song goes, as it was in the beginning. or I can't remember. But the, but the crowd shouted, rah, or something, halfway through it. And it was, I can't remember what the song was. It might have been called Anthem. I've just remembered. It might have been called Anthem. And it was really good. But that is the kind of music that, uh, that I sort of grew up on. And I loved. It's like, I used to listen years ago to the sensational Alex Harvey band. And uh, they used to play it at the Chelsea Drugstore which was actually not what you thought it was. It was a former chemist, and it turned into a sort of a nightclub-type bar thing. And they used to have go-go dancers, and they used to dance to the sensational Alex Harvey band with a song called Faith Healer, which was, uh, which was, which was quite good, actually. Oh, uh, favourite Barker James Harvest track, says Ian, is For No One, The Poor Boy's Blues. I don't think I know that one, actually. I'm not as well up on my Barclay James Harvest as I thought I was in the first place. Uh, I do my best, though. I do my best. But I, I think it, it, it was Anthem, wasn't it? 
And Faith Healer. That was a long... I've, I've actually stripped to Faith Healer. I've stripped. I used to work in a... In a I don't know, I'm telling you this at 10 to 5 to 6 in the morning. But it's... Um, I used to work in a pub um, on a, a road down near Kilburn. And it was owned by some Irish brothers. And I worked in a couple of their bars, working with strippers and topless dancers, many, many, many years ago. It wasn't recently. And in one of them, the, uh, the strippers said, I tell you what, why don't we have a, a whip round and Steve will, will strip. And, of course, the longest track I could think of was Faith Healer. So I stripped and they promised me 60 quid. And then and it turned out they weren't going to pay me anything at all. I was really disappointed. Very dangerous times. Very dangerous times. But all the London pubs, lots of them, especially up and down um, the, the roads in around Kilburn, things like that, used to have strippers at lunchtime. And so lots of mobile DJs would go there. And I used to work the White Hart at Wilsdon. It's probably a housing estate now. But in those days, it was full of students lunchtime. And the stripper would come on and in an effort to keep the people there. They would do two sessions. The stripper would come up to me and go... Morning, Steve. I go, morning, Cash or whoever it was. And they'd give you their music and they would dance to one record and they'd go topless and then there'd be a break and then they'd come back 20 minutes later to try and get all the students to drink. And then they, they would come back on and take everything off. But the trouble is, as a DJ, you were totally, you know, removed from this. It didn't make any difference at all because you saw it every day of the week. But I used to, I used to work with one lady called Kashalia. And she used to play with a snake, tassel dance, and tread on broken glass. Oh, and she fire ate as well. It was, I mean, she was, she was really the all-in package. And when you consider they used to do a full strip in those days for ten quid. Ten pair. Life was so much cheaper, ladies and gentlemen. So much cheaper. Uh, we'll do the rundown of the papers, the other side of the news, at six o'clock for you this morning. Especially when you discover there's hardly anybody left in any of the parties. They're all being sort of dropped left, right and centre. Andy says, I did try watching the eclipse using a colander. All I've done is strain my eyes. OK, do you get the gag? Colander. Because that's what they said. They said, if you want to watch the eclipse, do it through a colander. I couldn't work that at all. Um, <clears throat> and <laughs> I was driving through Essex, Steve, yesterday, surprised to see the eclipse was still happening. Then I realised Gemma Collins was in town and blocking out the sun. She apparently was shopping the other day in Lakeside. Really slightly disturbing, isn't it? Dave says, I've gone back to showing a 1959 tax disc in my Ford Zephyr. Now, I have to think about that because I can't remember if in 1959 they had tax discs. Many people used to use old Guinness labels. They used to work quite well, Guinness labels. Oh, failing that, my favourite trick was uh, tax applied for, which you could keep going for ages. But of course, now, if you have tax applied for, the chances are you don't have a tax disc because you can do it in plenty of time. And then you put the tax disc on. Or in the case of nowadays, you don't have a tax disc on there. Uh, It's all done electronically. Whether that works, I do not know. Uh, I think if you've got Jim Dale on In Conversation, it would have to be an hour special, says little Julie. Well... We, we shall have to wait and see. He did do Barnum and he did do Me and My Girl. Part written by Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry wrote Me and My Girl, which was on at the Adelphi Theatre, known as London's happiest musical. And very good it was too. He always... Uh, I remember seeing... I went to the last night of Me and My Girl and Stephen Fry came on stage and was sort of doing one of his uh, one of his talks. And it was good. It was a really good little musical. They had to learn. I think Gary Wilmot played in it. Loads of people played in it. It was, a, it was a happy little show about East End, you know, Cockney boy meets posh girl, you know, and then they hook up together. Nice, nice story. Nice, nice story. But there's loads of good stuff coming up uh, into the West End, which you'll probably need to book for. There's one coming in at Christmas, and I can't remember what the life of me, what it is coming in at Christmas. Whatever it was, I remember thinking, I must book for that one. I must book for that one. Here's a picture of, oh, it's David Cameron. 
He has declared now that he's not going to serve a third term as Prime Minister, and that's why you need to speak to Boris Johnson this morning. He's going to be on with Nick Ferrari. And uh, he has said that uh, Boris Johnson could be one of those to take over the leadership of the Conservative Party. I wonder, actually. I wonder. Jenny says the eclipse... The crows in Mitcham were flying home to roost. Even though not dark, it got colder. It did get colder. I have to agree with you. It did get quite a bit colder during the eclipse. But there was nothing, nothing else at all. Organisers of the Rugby World Cup are expecting to reap the benefits of a surge in interest in the game after the thrilling climax of the RBS Six Nations Championship. They reckon there'll be a scrum for tickets. A scrum for tickets. And the royal family have been fated on blissful trips to Barbados. But the fun may still be may soon be over because the people there have said that they don't want the royal family anymore. They don't want the Queen there. So, dear Queen, wish you weren't here. Prince Harry went in 2010. The Queen departed from her 1977 tour on Concord and has not seen the island's beaches for 26 years. So they, um, the government and the people of Barbados have decided that they don't want the Queen Anyway, I mean, she's not visited for 26 years, so you can understand, can't you, that they, they've sort of said, well, you know, perhaps, perhaps, we, perhaps we don't need that. What? Not wanting the Queen anymore? An episode of Jeremy Kyle? That's right, yes, you've not seen us for 25 years. He said, and how do you know that she's the father anyway? <laughs> Mother. <laughs> Although in second days could be the father, couldn't it? Uh, what are the, uh, the rose-flavoured ice cream? They now say that uh, they could uh, cash in on Richard III. I actually, dis- I'm, I'm totally convinced there's going to be a gift shop open very shortly. I'm totally convinced there is going to be a gift shop. And there's going to be people there and they're going to be selling all sorts of memorabilia. I just, I just see it happening because it's the biggest thing that's ever happened to Leicester. I mean, apart from that, I can't think of anything that's ever happened in Leicester, apart from, as Kevin pointed out earlier on, you know, people standing there watching the traffic lights change. That's fairly exciting. And so when they get something like this, it's the first time they've been put on the map. Very excited. So you managed to weave in. Oh, no, wait a minute, you can. They've already got stuff on sale. They've got got a car parking mug already on sale for £9.50. You can have uh, at Ungaro Hair Studios a Richard III haircut. Please, please, God, tell me it's not true. For £25, Richard III ice cream at Gelato Village for £2.50 for a small one. Leicester Mercury souvenir supplement, £20 on eBay, and a fridge magnet with Richard's signature, £3.75, or a Richard III silk tie, yours for £14.95. <laughs> I told you it wouldn't be long before it happened, didn't I? Oh, dear me. Bowl of cereal a day. Add years to your life, ladies and gentlemen. Just got to be the right cereal, OK? The real sugary stuff. Not so good at all. Uh, I must bring you the story of the cyclist who threw the litter back inside the car. The driver gets out and threatens him, but it now turns out that the cyclist can be charged by the police because he almost instigated a fight. Uh, Turning off the sofa celebs. They've now learnt how to play the game and it's not as natural as it was before. They now try and hog the limelight and they're all frauds. Let's get rid of them. Sarah Harding, front cover of OK magazine. Sarah Harding at home. My question afterwards is, of course she is. Uh, The archaeologists who found the secret hideout for the Nazis, Top Brass. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen.
on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 24th of March. I trust we find you uh, good this morning. You should be good, because Boris Johnson's coming into LBC, and there's loads to talk about, especially after the bombshell that David Cameron dropped the other day. Not going to seek a third term in office, but he said, you know, one of my successors could be Boris Johnson. How will Boris react to that? Today, you'll find out on LBC. The bowl of cereal that can add years to your life. It's got to be the right one, though. The child killer who's turned into a national hero. This is Richard III. And now we know you can get a Richard III tie as well. Uh, the two pals who died, they thought they'd taken uh, cocaine. In fact, it was heroin. And they died as a result. Uh, the archaeologists who found the secret hideout and Britain to reinforce the Falklands with new troops. All of that in the front pages coming up between now and half past, just before Lisa Aziz is here with the morning news. So, nice to be company. I trust you are well this morning. Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about Sharia law as well. And, um, and, and exactly, you know, what's going on with Richard III? You know, why have people gone absolutely mad for this person? And uh, in Leicester, as I say, they obviously don't have too much to celebrate, but they've gone crackers for it. It's their chance to be put on the map. And already... People have got all the memorabilia out there, so there's all the the badges and the ice cream. They're determined to capitalise on it as much as they can, which I can understand. I was slightly disturbed by you can get at the hair place, the Richard III haircut, because they weren't exactly known for their coiffured looks some years ago. At least they've got it. You know, thousands of people queued the other day. The average queuing time was four hours. Obviously a lot of unemployment in Leicester, I'm assuming. You can afford to stand there for four hours and uh, and wait. We'll run through the uh, run through the papers in a moment. Kevin says there have been tax discs since the 1930s because I couldn't remember when they when they came in. I tried saving money back in the mid 80s by borrowing the tax disc off my milk float and putting it in my car windscreen each day after work. Ingenious, I thought. Illegal. The copper that caught me said, oops, didn't try that one again. Yes, I mean, I used to put tax applied for. You'd fold it up on a piece of paper and try and make it look as professional as possible. And, of course, the uh, the rule of the road is that if the car is on the road, you've got to have a current tax disc. Now, because there are no tax discs anymore, uh, you've got no idea whether they're supposed to be taxed anyway. All those people who bought those expensive tax disc holders, I've got a beautiful one, and uh, it's now redundant. Nothing to go in it. Nothing to go in it at all. Uh, Jim Dale had a hit song, says Ken, with Crazy Love back in the 50s. Uh, Annie in Southport says, love the sensational Alex Harvey band, especially Faith Healer, Boston Tea Party and many more. Love the show. And Les says, Richard III will be another Loch Ness monster. Actually, the, no, the truth of the matter is, Richard III did exist, whereas the Loch Ness monster never existed. But they've managed to keep a tourist industry going. And there's some poor little Japanese bloke in a caravan who's been living on Loch Ness for years under the misguided apprehension that uh, somewhere under the water there is a monster. Well, this thing either can't breathe or it's dead or it's really so ancient now. It must be hundreds of years old. There's no fish in the lock, so it's vegetarian. And they go, it could be hiding in an underground cave. Stop it now. It's ridiculous. Quite ridiculous. Uh, 8485 ho... Sorry, 8485 steve at lbc.co.uk. The White Hart pub, you're right, says Pat, is now a block of flats. Went there when you worked there, cheap and happy. That was probably just me, actually. <laughs> I, like, I like the idea. It was quite a big site. It had a big car park. But uh, I used to get paid, I think it was only about £4 for doing a lunchtime, which gives you a, a rough idea. A rough idea. He was also in Disney's Pete Dragon. Ah, right. So now you know. Now you know. So Jim Dale coming over to do his one-man show. 
I think that'd be good. They also had somebody over who didn't do very well with her one-woman show, and I, I should have gone to see that one. I forget who it was now, but she, I thought she was quite a, a big, a big deal. Uh, Steve Lester, Simon de Montford, as well as Richard, uh, Anna's in uh, Walton on Thames, and uh, one. I was going to bring you the uh, the weather. But I've decided, actually, it's it, it's a little bit wet today, and that's the way you have to, to look at it. It's going to get a little bit better later on. Uh, Winnie says, I remember many, many years ago I saw me and my girl with Gary Wilmot. He was good, actually. You can get the soundtrack now. You can get the soundtrack. Very good indeed. Plash from the past, Steve says, uh, Lindsley. I still have my original vinyl copy of Barclay James Harvest, Killer Mockingbird. Classic. Yes, Mockingbird was, um, it was a super piece of music. It really was. I don't know what they call that now. Would they call that prog rock? Would that be prog rock, I suppose? Mockingbird, something like that? But the Smiths I never got into. I just thought they, they were depressing. I didn't like Morrissey. It was him that made me feel slightly depressed. Uh, George, the Warburton's driver, says, if it was the end of humanity and it depended on you to kickstart the population again, marooned on a desert island, just you, Jordan, Kerry Catena or Jodie Marsh, who would you pick? I'd kill myself. OK, there would be no, no point in staying, staying around for that one at all, I think. Uh, the Daily Mirror, front page, Corrie's Tina. Just because uh, actress who's not been around for years goes back into soap, this warrants a double-page spread. Uh, arrogant Cameron, says the Mirror, I won't do third term. Inside, uh, the boss of a, of, a, of a radio station called Ben Cooper says, you're not... A goner, Madonna. We like you, just not this song. This is the same person who's commented on uh, on Clarkson. Obviously desperate to make a name for himself. And that's about as far as it's going, I'm afraid. Uh, the Express, the amazing recovery of the brave cancer boy, Asher. You know that the hospital in Southampton have said that if he comes back to this country, and he's living in Spain at the moment with his uh, mummy and daddy, um, they've said they, they don't want him treated at the hospital. The hospital said, no, we don't want him here. They're that brutal down in Southampton. Uh, make, make him go somewhere else. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Well, because they screwed up, because they got it wrong. Man in 50s arrested on suspicion of Claudia Lawrence's murder. Chef Gordon causing a stir in his Ferrari, a million pounds. What do you think the insurance is like on a million pound Ferrari? I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to imagine. My insurance is actually not too bad for the year, but I should imagine his would be absolutely astronomical. I mean, would you get much change, do you think, out of, for a million-pound car? Do you think you get much change out of, I don't know, £20,000, something like that, a year? And also because he's very well-known. If, if somebody's very well-known in this day and age, that kind of boosts it up. It's like if you're on the radio and you're trying to get car insurance, most of the car insurance companies absolutely hate you. They really don't like you at all because they go, ah. I remember years ago trying to get insurance when I first came into the business, and they said, what do you do for a living? I said, uh, I'm in radio which I thought sounded quite grand. And, uh, and he said, ah, are you actually on the radio? And I said, yeah, click. They hung up. They hung up on me. And so I went through to, uh, to somebody else's. It might have been the, uh, the AA. They had a thing or some company where you phoned up and they found you the best quote. They never even bothered calling back. So I stayed with one company for years that I found in Wimbledon. Because if you're on the radio, do you know what the reason is that they charge you a lot of money if you're actually on the radio? Because you might take a celebrity in your car. And that was the reason that you've got high insurance. So because of that, I mean, now I think my insurance is uh, is fairly good. I think it's about £600 a year or something like that. Fully comp. Big car and quite powerful, but £600 because I'm a careful driver. I'm a very, very good driver. Well, I mean, I, I as I say, I think I'm a good driver, but I might not be. Sorry? What's the matter? Yeah. 
It is cheap, isn't it? I thought it was cheap as well. £620, I think, for the year. Fully comp. Fully loaded. For my car, I think that's actually... What are they doing in there? Have you got something going on or something? Is this the cleaning day today? Fantastic, honestly. Four of them in there. It looks a bit like, you know, scrunchy, scrunchy, doesn't it, really? <laughs> uh, very quickly, uh, Norman says, yes, it was Shirley Jones. Well done, Norman. Who was at the uh, the arts theatre with her son Patrick Cassidy, and she went home early. It didn't do the business that I thought it was going to do. I thought it would have done really great business, but it didn't, and uh, that was a shame. So I hope that Jim Dale. I hope there's enough people out there who will uh, support Jim Dale because I think he's I think he's worth it. I think he's got some some good stories to tell about life, you know, in theatre and life in uh, films. Um, Chris says you wouldn't uh, uh, you wouldn't have had a clue. The Smiths, one of the best live bands ever. Doesn't mean anything to me at all. I've got no idea. Listen, I mean, to be honest with you, you're talking to the man here who was into the uh, the 60s and the 70s, but I was in the commercial stuff. You know, I can name you all the bands from the 60s and 70s. I can sing the tunes, hum the theme tune, and I can, I can do them all, but I don't know anything about the Smiths. I think it's like when you go to the fun fair back in the 60s and the 70s, you would gravitate towards the rides that were playing soul music or Tamla Motown. The rides that were playing Steppenwolf's Born to be Wild and stuff like that were the rides which had all the blokes with the leather jackets and they looked a bit dirty. They were sort of the sort of greaser types and they would be there with sort of leather jackets and sort of to hell and back written on the back of it and they'd turn up on their, on their motorbikes. And we didn't, uh, we didn't go in any of those rides at all. Nowadays, you go on the waltzer and all those sort of rides and they're all playing the soul music again. Just all catchy stuff, isn't it? Mind you, coming up to Funfair time, because it's Easter. So uh, George Irving will be out there. He'll have, no doubt, a huge Funfair at Hampton Court. I think a couple of years ago they had to miss out on it because the weather was so bad. And uh, I think he'll also have Shepherd's Bush as well. 6.50. Steve Allen on LBC. A scary day. 6.20 is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's the 24th of March. Uh, I've just got a birthday card in from Argani. There you go. Thank you very much indeed. It finally arrived. Don't worry. It says relax on your birthday and enjoy the day. Every day. Every day. Uh, front pages of the papers. Alan's listening in Prague at the moment. How lovely. How, to, how nice to be in Prague. I don't know what the weather's like there, but uh, Steve, uh, Steve Perry is in Thailand and just had KFC for lunch. You go all the way to Thailand and you have KFC. Must be mad as a broomstick. He said, when do you ever have a holiday? I don't do holidays. I don't, I'm, I'm not a holiday person. And the reason is, I've explained a million times before, every day is a holiday. Every single day is a holiday. I, I don't think I've had a day which isn't a holiday. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody says, so, Steve, you're a good driver, you've got a good personality, and you like interviewing celebrities. There'll soon be a vacancy at the BBC for a driving show. Do you know, I could, um, if only I knew about cars. <laughs> if only I knew about cars. Unfortunately, I know nothing about cars. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Jeremy back in the, in the driving seat of the programme. Because I think the BBC lose both counts on this one. If they get rid of him, they lose. And if they keep him, they lose. Because people just go, eh. You know, it's, it just, it's not going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen at all. Uh, the Lady Vicar from Gogglebox on Claire Balding at the weekend. She was brilliant. Oh, There's the trouble. All these people, they're just attention seekers. That's all they are. They're just attention seekers. Um, Morrissey left the UK because he thought there were too many foreigners. I don't, something about Morrissey. I'm not sure how much he says just for effect and how much he actually believes in. How much he believes in. Independent uh, today. 
they've got a huge uh, new donation, taking their homeless veterans a bit even higher, to Uh In an exclusive interview, Ian Paisley says he'd back either the Tories or Labour. The DUP names its price for the electoral deal, one billion. Nothing like being a bit vague, is there? The Sun this morning, the Brits partying on the beach in a drug lord war zone. And uh, this is from Mexico. To be honest with you, I wouldn't feel safe in Mexico at all. Ask Jeremy Clarkson about going to Mexico. The crew nearly lost everything over there because there's so much corruption. And they went to drive through one town and the mafia who operated that town wanted to confiscate everything. Ask, ask Jeremy about Mexico. He'll tell you about Mexico. Uh, spring breaking bad. Not the place you want to go to. Uh, also, the parents of the recovering brain tumour lad, Asher King, have revealed they feel returning to the UK in case social workers seize him. Well, the hospital doesn't want him. I've already told you that this morning. The hospital have uh, have, uh, have said no, they, they don't want him to go back. They go somewhere else, they've said. What a horrible hospital that must be. Really awful. And they're, they're worried that the social workers will try and keep him. Oh, you know my opinion of social workers. It's not particularly, not particularly high. Uh, Theresa May says, I'll shut down the hate cleric mosques. Well, there's no good saying it. Let's see some action. Let's see some action. Uh, because I believe that Chowdhury is going to talk to the Oxford Union or something. He says the police can't do anything about it. What a horrible piece of work he is. Daily Mail, Cameron, I won't serve a third term. PM drops bombshell in TV interview. But has he put his authority at risk? They're going to be talking about that because Boris Johnson will be with Nick Ferrari this morning for breakfast just after nine o'clock. And how cigarettes make a baby writhe in the womb while non-smoker's child is calm. And they've got these uh, pictures of the baby in the uh, the womb. 32 weeks gestation. And uh, then one who smokes and one who doesn't. The one who smokes, the baby spends most of its time with its hand over its face. Now, whether or not you can actually say that's because of the effects of smoking, I, I don't know. But it's certainly very interesting, very interesting uh, pictures. Quinoa. Heard of quinoa? I've never heard of quinoa. Am I facing the right way today? What's the matter with everybody? Why have you all gone a bit peculiar? Ever since they were hoovered next door, they've all gone a bit slightly doolally. Quinoa is a food fashion that could save your life. It's uh, it's a grain grown in the Andes. That's like guja berries, isn't it? You know, people keep saying this is a superfood and that's a superfood. And they say this one is very good. It reduces the risk of premature death. Oh, this is the, um, oh, this is, this goes back, doesn't it, to the story that we talked about earlier on, which is having a bowl of cereal for breakfast is supposed to be quite good for you. As I say, not sugar puffs or cocoa pops or frosties or anything like that, but you've got to pick the right sort of, of grains and pulses and everything else. It's a bit like eating, what's that stuff that people have in the morning? It's not, um, it's all a mixture of nuts and fibre and things like that. And people say it's really good. For, my mother used to swear by it. You just swear by the fact, I'm not eating another bowl of that rope. It's like eating coconut matting. And they go, it's lovely. And then you see these things, don't you? I've seen the, the boxes of cereal, fruit and fibre. Then you look at the sugar content, and then you think, no, it's not good for you. It, let's put it this way, if it tastes good, it's bad. You have to work on that assumption. If it tastes good, it's bad. So fried bread, bad. Sausages, bad. Bacon, terribly bad for you. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat, is there, in this world, apart from coconut matting. How boring. That's just about it for, uh, for this morning. I think we we didn't manage to get round to your uh, to your Twitters mainly because the uh, the account has, has frozen up at the moment. And I was going to bring you the weather, and then I thought, no, just look out of the window. It's not particularly exciting today. It was a bit wet where we were. And uh, and Rick says I agree with you. Not had a holiday in decades. Each day is a holiday for me too. Since so you know, I think if you've got a job that you absolutely love, why would you worry about a holiday? People go on holiday to relax, to unwind, and to take away the stress. The only stress I've got is why is the train running? late. And if the, if the train's running late, I get stressed over that. That's about the only thing. 
Sorry? Quinoa. Well, you didn't know that, did you? Somebody's obviously just told you next door. Don't go jumping on the bandwagon. It's called quinoa. Yeah. Oh, right, you know what quinoa is. I love the way... They, they let me dig a small hole here and put a gravestone up on it, going, Steve Allen can't pronounce quinoa. And then they go, it's quinoa. Like I'm supposed to know. Like I'm supposed to know. And they go, let, let's let him dig the grave, shall we, this morning? Let's make the poor fat diabetic look a little bit sillier on the programme. So, have you had quinoa, then? Yeah, of course you have, yeah. You could just tell next door that they all eat this kind of roughage. Anyway, we'll have some more roughage tomorrow morning, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I trust you have a very pleasant Tuesday. I'm sure you will. I'd take an umbrella, it might rain a bit later on. And you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. Quinoa. Uh, download the LBC app or there's TuneIn Radio 2. TuneIn Quinoa. And if you missed any of today's show, there's also our podcast service. I just don't want people sitting next door. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a word with the management. I don't want people to stare at me and laugh anymore. I've had enough of it. <laughs>